again, wrestling fans, and welcome back to another episode of the 20 by 20 Ring Crew. As always, I am Matt, alongside my partner, Joe. Hey, what's going on? What's going on, indeed? Episode 104 is going on, and uh, we're here for another exciting week of wrestling talk. Uh, actually, we're going to do what we started last month. Uh, Joe and I decided uh, it was it went so good the first time, we're going to do it again. Maybe do a monthly thing here, and we are bringing back 20 by 20 by 20, where we go back and forth with 20 questions in total and talk about some of the hottest things going on in professional wrestling. We give our insight. Uh, so uh, step, sit back and relax and uh, and get that uh, all this wrestling knowledge thrown at you. As always, we have wrestling on in the background. Uh, I, I got, got to get the second TV up and going. I'm kind of procrastinating <laughs> here. Uh, but... Um, we do have night one of the G1 Climax. I think it's going to be uh, discussed in the uh, 20 by 20 by 20 so we will talk that a little bit later. But night one of the G1 Climax, highly recommend watching it. I have not uh, partaked in any of the viewing yet. Neither have I. Uh, but uh, rest assured, we will uh, watch the entire tournament because this is by far some of the best wrestling you're ever going to see all year. Pandemic or not, this is this is always like the the shows to watch if you're a wrestling fan. Uh, and you can watch them too, actually, if you go to our website, 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash NJPW and get yourself a 30-day subscription on us. And you can watch the entire G1 Climax as well as the previous 29 G1 Climaxes as well as a plethora of other great uh, material from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, so I'm excited about this episode. I, I really loved how the first twenty by twenty by twenty went. So did I, man. But before we before we get going on that, uh, on a somber note, uh, I think it's actually appropriate that uh, as as wrestling fans, we dedicate this episode to the memory of Joe Laurinaitis, better known to the wrestling world as Animal, one half of the Road Warriors, or Legion of Doom, or Legion of Doom. Yeah, let's get that in there. Yeah. Um, you're an NWA guy. Absolutely. I'm giving you the floor. How do you remember Road Warrior Animal? Uh, you know, I started watching wrestling because of the Road Warriors. And I think I've said that on this podcast ages ago, but um, it hasn't. that hasn't changed. Um, the first time I ever witnessed these two gi- gigantic... Uh, muscle upon muscle guys with face paint on and you know football pads with spikes walking to the ring you you like you're just you're changed whether you want to be or not yeah and um i was forever hooked especially watching them do that in in that small little uh dark and dingy nwa studio um, <laughs> yeah. just demolishing guys coming in and and you know reflecting on just squash matches in general years later now obviously but go back and look at them you can do that on, on the WWE network but go back and look at them and it, it's it's not the same uh, and, and I think Arn Anderson pointed that out too recently because he was talking about the Mulkey brothers on uh a recent episode of his his podcast because those guys used to take one hell of a beating from that whole roster, you know. Yeah. 
and they would, you know, they would still get up and, and come back and do it and be back the next week and the week after that and after that. Like, those two guys got to be two of the toughest son of a bitches <laughs> ever to walk in the ring with anybody. But you look at you look at your typical squash match, and then you look at a, an old-school squash match with the likes of the Road Warriors, and it is something... The word domination comes to mind, you know? And that's what they did. That's what they, they seemed to do the entire time they were in the wrestling business. No matter what federation they showed up in, no, mo- no matter what organization they were associated with, that is one term that has always come to the forefront of my mind. And that was just dominance. You knew who they were stepping into the ring. You know what to expect. And you got it. You got it all the damn time. And, uh, you know, obviously Hawk passed away years ago, but um, it, it, it really is sad to, to sit here and, and now say for sure that the other Road Warrior has uh, has, has since come to pass. Um, it's... It is somber. It is somber because here we are. We're losing another legend. And, you know, that, that term gets thrown around a lot these days. But Road Warriors, absolutely fucking legends. There's there's no uh, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. So, You know, for me, when I got into wrestling in the late 90s, you know, I, I thankfully, as I said on this podcast before, I had... Uh, I had a, a mutual friend through my my brother that, you know, showed me all the wrestling. Showed, showed me all types of wrestling, from old wrestling to hardcore wrestling, et cetera, et cetera. And he's a big Ric Flair fan, so he showed me old NWA. And as I'm watching it, I, I, I was just in awe. I'm like, who are these guys? <laughs> who are these, as you said, monsters? They, the, the they, absolutely, man. And hearing them talk and, and hearing them just go down to the ring, look, I've said this on this podcast before. One thing that I, I can't get behind when it comes to old school wrestling is, especially the, the NWA era, is the squash matches in the sense that, like, I just, I got tired of them. You, I, for me, I'd get tired of them. I didn't grow up every every Saturday morning watching that, so I'd be fair there. But, it, you know, seeing it over and over again, it, just, it gets tiring. Sure. But there are exceptions to every rule, and the Road Warriors were always one of those exceptions for me. Watching those guys, I could see them just beat the crap out of people every single week. And it was believable. It was believable to the point where you you felt bad for the other guys because they, <laughs> they, they had to go... Even if it'd be two minutes, they had to go two minutes with the Road Warriors. That was a tough two fucking minutes, man, <laughs> let me tell you. And you're getting your ass handed to you. And... It was so, so. It was. It was such a way that, and I'm. I'm going to sound like an old school, old fart here, but in a way that <laughs> it's never going to be done again. <laughs> and I, I definitely, I, I look at the Road Warriors and I, I compare them to the wrestling version of Heavy Metals, Abbott Brothers. They are two just badass sons of bitches that came. Saw, conquered, and unfortunately no longer with us. But man, they will always be remembered for what they did. Um, obviously, for those who I'm not talking, don't know who I'm talking about. I'm referring to Dimebag Darrow and Vinnie Paul of Pantera uh, and Damage Plan. Um, just 
what they brought to the music industry in such a short period of time, yeah, well, you know, can, can never be replicated or duplicated. And I, I say the same thing about the Road Warriors. We're going to have dominant tag teams. We're going to have we still we do have dominant tag teams today, and that's great. And I'm I love that, but it's it's never going to ever be what the Road Warriors brought. I don't think we'll ever have that all inspiring moment again. Or at least I don't think I'll have that in my lifetime. And, you know, it's it's with a heavy heart. But, uh, you know, I our deepest condolences. And, uh, man, he's he's gone. But, you know, the Road Warriors, Animal and Hawk will live on forever. Um, going into the, the topics, actually, um, I want to bring up uh, the first question. We start off. Uh, start off the 20 by 20 by 20 here actually started from a I I got this uh, this question was formulated from not only from my viewing because I have been watching WWE every show um, at least I'm, I'm, a little, I'm somewhat behind but I've been watching it every single week I'm doing it for you guys by the way <laughs> <laughs> again that's what the multi, multi-TV is coming for, but um, you know, uh, Animal was actually talking about it uh, a few days before his passing. He was ref- he was talking about the the new group Retribution in WWE. Okay. And again, this is all things that I have had issues with, but you know, take it from a legend's mouth, the 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 booking here of, of Retribution, <laughs> and there's a lot to. There's kind of a lot to to put here, so I, I'll I'll try to make it. I'll try to sum it up as best as I can. Okay. Uh, well, Retribution, uh, they finally are officially like they have like their their five their core guys. We talked about it last week a little bit. Yeah. Um. There's a lot wrong here. I want to start with the names. Uh, we have T Bar. We have Mace. We have Slapjack. Yes, Slapjack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Retaliation and Reckoning. Those are the five names of this group. They are a heel faction. And you're trying to get them over as a dominant heel faction that's causing chaos within the Raw brand. And lo and behold, who is the first opponents that they put them up against? Well, I have a problem with this. The legendary animal has had a problem with this, and that's the Hurt Business. Now, the Hurt Business consists of MVP, Bobby Lashley, Cedric Alexander, and Shelton Benjamin. Now, for those who are not paying attention here, the Hurt Business are also a very much a heel faction. Yes, that's trying to they're trying that the WWE is trying to push as a an elite faction. So here you have. The Hurt Business, who are trying to, again, establish themselves as a, an elite heel faction. Bring in Retribution, who's causing chaos within the, the industry, within the raw, raw brand, I should say. You put them head-to-head. Now, Retribution hasn't done anything on Raw yet. This is their very first rivalry. <laughs> very first rivalry. And you have heel faction going up against heel faction... On top of these fucking silly-ass names, because, you know, Mia Yim is reckoning, even though we clearly can see it's fucking Mia Yim, 
We clearly know who T-Bar is. You know, may, some people may not remember that's Dio Madden. He used to commentate for Raw. Slapjack is Shane Thorne or whatever the hell he was being called. Yeah, it was Shane Thorne. And then Retaliation is Mercedes Martinez. Silly ass fucking names. Booking up against booking up, booking against a heel faction. Joe, my first question to you: What the fuck is going on? Bad booking. <laughs> uh, that's the that's the short answer. The long answer is, uh, uh, so to speak, too many um, too many cooks in the kitchen. And I say it's that causing be- a big ass grease fire. Yeah, and I say that because. Uh, you can tell there's one centralized idea that they're trying to get across, but because there's so many people just inputting this, this, and this into it, you're fucking up the recipe week after week. We live in the day and age of smart fans, whether we want it that way or not. And you're not going to sit there and... Take someone, take someone, uh, the likes of Mercedes Martinez and Mia Yim, off of NXT, literally within seven days, in the way of uh, TV programming, actual air dates go, mm-hmm. and then throw them under masks, not even actual hoods, but just like those whatever kind of masks you want to call those. Yeah. And um you're you're not gonna you're you're just not gonna get them over as part of this faction. Now without doing it the right way. And they didn't. They didn't do it the right way. Example, you wanna know how to get these people over? These two specifically by taking them off of NXT within seven days and then putting them on Raw, I'll tell you how to do that. You do it like Pentagon did when he was in Lucha Underground. When Penta, when Pentagon Jr. was in Lucha Underground, he went through a metamorphosis and became Penta Dark. For, yeah. the, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube or um, I think maybe Amazon Prime still has Lucha Underground. Um, but you need to go back and watch that those seasons. I want to say it was like maybe season two and three. Yeah, I agree. I um, think so. He goes through this met- this metamorphosis from being Penta- Pentagon Jr. to Pentagon Dark. And that right there was like a perfect example of how to get a, a character to go from one person to something completely different and it be very effective. Now, obviously, you're, you're probably asking me like, wait a minute, how the hell are they supposed to do that within seven days? Well, that's I'm not the one being paid to figure that out, but... <laughs> What they should have done is they should have done it more gradually. I mean, if, if even if it's two weeks as opposed to one week, give them some time. But if we would have saw those two specifically go from a Mercedes Martinez to whatever they're calling her now, what was her name? Ratchet. 
Retaliation. <laughs> retaliation. Yeah. So from Mercedes Martinez to retaliation. Yeah. There's got to be that segue, that character, that character building, that character metamorphosis, and that's my point here. Um, everybody else, you know, they were off of TV for quite a while or doing doing other stuff. Yeah. You know, to where they went. You know, another one too is Dominic Dijakovic. Yeah. Him too. He, although he's been off of, uh, I keep wanting to say Ring of Honor, but Ring of Honor is on my mind. <laughs> um, but no, NXT. Uh, yeah. He, obviously, he's been off of NXT for a few weeks, and and with him, I'm a little more okay with him coming out as this new entity, this this metamorphosis into a different character. I still think they they, they dropped the ball. I agree, but I still think they dropped the ball with that for the fact that. He gets beat. He gets beat up by Carrying uh, Cross. That's the last time we see him. Yes. You know you don't. You don't get to see that that transformation happen at all. No. And that that's that's my biggest issue. Is like like you said, none none of it is is seen. It is out of nowhere. These these guys are disgruntled employees now. And, and we're yeah, we're just supposed to accept it. Yeah. Like point point blank without any question or, or or anything like that and you're like what the hell because that's the concept of retribution they're they're tired of the the quote-unquote brass rings as they say and you know they're they're getting stepped over and in, in line and, and other people are getting their opportunities they are the job squad but the, the job squad was still handled better in, in my opinion because here you have actual disgruntled employees that are being disgruntled employees these guys, they're disgruntled employees, and now they're fucking mercenaries. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, and that's the other thing, too, about this. If that's the case, then help them get over. You know, that's what you have a commentary team for. Yeah. Do it the right way. They're, they're part of this, too, whether anybody likes to hear that or not. That's what color commentators are there it's for. Job. You're there to get the talent over, first and foremost. Never mind your fucking snide comments about performance or anything like that. Yeah. First and foremost, you're supposed to get that talent over. <clears throat> I didn't want to commit those guys to memory so they didn't stay long. Uh, <laughs> you know, really, it's, it, it, it sounds crass and cold, but uh, Ludwig Borger was horrible. What about uh, what about Brockus, Tiger Ali Singh, Eric Watts? There's a lot of wrestling uh, r- wrestlers that fans are like, eh, he's one yeah. of the worst. Uh Tiger didn't catch on and we spent a lot of money on trying to get Tiger over. That didn't work. Brockus, as you mentioned, uh, was not, not, uh, ready for the, for prime time with any, any, any stretch. No way. Uh, I liked, uh, as a human being, I liked the, the giant Gonzalez as a pro wrestler. God bless his soul. He was just not very good. <laughs> I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, but I think it's relevant to the, to the subject matter. You've got someone like Jim Cornette, who obviously you either hate him or you love him at this point, but he does bring good points when he talks about the fundamentals of a pro wrestling audience. And I think a lot of people just tune him out in general because they think he's just this harbinger of everything that is old school and he doesn't care for new shit. And that's not the case. He will point out what works on a fundamental basis with with a universal fan base. You want to know how to get over? Whether you love him or not, 
Listen to fucking Jim Cornette and his critiques. Mm -hmm. He'll tell you how to get over with the fucking fans. He'll tell you how to get over on TV. He'll tell you how to get over because he's good at that. Mm -hmm. Okay? He might not like Joey Janela or, or, you know, 90% of the AEW roster and the shit they're bringing. (laughs) That's fine. I'm okay with that. Sure. But he'll tell you how to get over. And you, as a wrestling fan... You should at least listen to what he has to say. I'm not saying you have to, you know, um, support him 1,000%, but what he says makes a hell of a lot of sense. And I'm, here I am spewing the same stuff to you guys. Mm-hmm. It's that fundamental. Like, how are you supposed to get these people over when, one, the color commentators are not helping you, yeah, and, two, the company has literally just fucking pretty much handed you such a deficit in character that it's going to be hard to, to get out of to begin with. And, but yeah. that's what you got to do. And also feed them the top heel group on that brand. <laughs> you uh, know, it's... Yeah. And, and you know, kudos to... Uh, I believe it was Dominic Dijakovic who came out on social media and tried to make the best of the situation by uh, commenting on... They're signing because they officially have contracts. Yes, and people were like, "How does this make any sense? <laughs> you're you're supposed to be here causing chaos and disrupting and breaking this company down, but now they're paying you to do so." And he came out and he goes, "Hey, they're paying us now because financially it makes it better for them in the long run because they're spending less money by signing us." than it would to take for us to create all this chaos and commotion. Yeah. Okay, great. I can accept that, but does it get over necessarily? No. Right. Yeah. It, it just doesn't at this point. Especially when you have someone like Chris Jericho out there telling everybody, like, how the, like, huh? How does this make sense? <laughs> you know? And then that's starting a whole, you know, back and forth between them two. But that's where we're at. And, and that... I'm not saying I'm I'm the end all be all, you know, bank of knowledge when it comes to this shit, but I know fundamentally on a fundamental basis, you want to get these guys over, the, this group of people over, that's a good start. Yeah. I I, I what a what a fucking clusterfuck. Uh well, clusterfuck's a good word. <laughs> <laughs> um that's your vocabulary for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, as we as we uh, as we were discussing question number one, uh, I also threw on on the second TV Warrior Wrestling Stadium Series Night Three. Uh, it is I I have yet to watch this, but this is uh, the first two shows were absolutely fantastic. Twenty x twenty crew dot com slash podcast slash fight that's F I T E uh, where you can check this out so all three shows. And uh, if you subscribe as a new subscriber, you're going to get $15 with the credits on us. you got to be a new subscriber. Uh, and that will actually pay for the majority of, yeah, of the you, three shows. The, the way Fight's credit works, uh, like you, you have to have, like say you want to purchase something that's 25 bucks, You have to have $25 worth of credit to buy it. They won't let you use partial. Okay. You know, but... We're going to give you 15 of that 25 because if I'm not mistaken, that's what it costs for the entire package of these shows. Somewhere around I there. I forget what it was, but yeah. 
So all three uh, Stadium Series shows, um, which I, I've heard nothing but good about. I have not, as of this recording, I have not sat down and watched them in their entirety. But the clips and stuff that I have watched were pretty damn phenomenal. And, and I'm not putting them over just because they are literally in our backyard, but... I credit Moose for, for wrestling in that gear. I mean, I, this, was, <laughs> this took place on uh, September 26th, and these are all outside on the, yeah, on the football field. Yeah, they had light rain that day. And uh, it was it was not a warm night, so it, he's wrestling in his regular gear, so kudos yeah. to him. He's, uh, he's going one-on-one against Suicide, who's in a full body suit, for those who don't remember, or for those who do remember Suicide. Uh, he's got to be nice and snug, hopefully. And, but it was a pretty chilly night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, hats off to them. This is their last show of 2020 because they're not going to do any indo- indoor shows for uh, for the remainder of at least this, this year. Uh, you know, it's mainly because, or that's entirely because of the pandemic. So uh, hats off to them, man. They put on a, a great series, and I, I'm looking forward to uh, to uh, watching this show as we as we run down these questions and. This actually surprisingly is a is a match I've wanted to see for a long time over on the main TV, the G one climax. Jeff Cobb versus Tai Chi. Uh, I I continue to love Tai Chi's growth and work um, in the in the business and I'm glad Jeff Cobb is is full time. Yes, in New Japan. welcome to the roster, Jeff Cobb. And uh, man, this is this is actually one of those matches I'm really I when I saw they were in the same block, I not a lot of people are gonna talk about this match, but I really, I really want to see Jeff Cobb get, get the, the pull the best out of Tai Chi because that's the thing about Tai Chi. He's, he's one of those guys. Unfortunately, he plays to his opponent. That's very true. <clears throat> and uh, it's it's not the greatest quality, but it means that you are actually you have the potential to be great. Just wish you were great all the time. But <laughs> but yeah, this should and, he, and he's he's a remarkable heel too. Oh yeah, Gun. without a doubt. But uh, moving on. Yes, sir. Moving on, uh, my first question. Yes, bring it. Uh, I, I just wanted to pick your brain. Uh, obviously, we have Ring of Honor taking part in their Pure Tournament at the moment. Uh, so far, so good. Yeah, uh, Love absolutely it. loving it so far. Um, there was an appearance by Jonathan Gresham. He did an interview, and uh, he made a comment and I'm going to quote him here. I, I definitely just wanted to pick your brain about all this because we, I don't think we've we've actually sat and talked about this in the way of Ring of Honor, but I think it, it's without a doubt because of what has transpired over the past good year or so, mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, it's something we definitely should talk about at some point. But um, I'll, I'll tell you what he said, and then I'll ask my question. Okay? So this is quoting him specifically. Okay. He says, so essentially, oh, I'm sorry. They were asking him about um, kind of being seen as a a locker room leader. Okay. So he says, he says, so essentially all I'm saying is I don't see myself as that, a locker room leader, but I think it probably comes from me just, I pride myself on not allowing professional wrestling to gas me up. So he says, I see a lot of guys get gassed up because they wrestle for a certain company or they hold a certain title or they're having five-star matches all the time. At the end of the day, you can't do it alone. Everything we do in pro wrestling, you have to have a partner for it. 
you're only as good as the man standing across from the ring, across the ring from you. And oftentimes, both of you guys can be great, but you have to make sure and you have to have faith in your referee. There's so many parts of the match that enhance the experience of one match. The announcers, the commentators, and the referee. They don't get enough credit for making the matches what they are. You watch a great match, a five-star match with really shit commentary or a shit referee, and it ruins it. That's quoting Jonathan Gresham from Ring of Honor. Now, I bring all that up not just as a segue from our previous question, but mm-hmm. it's something uh, that we don't, we haven't really commented on. You know, he mentions guys who are having quote-unquote five-star matches and whatnot, and he's talking about the likes of the Young Bucks and uh and Kenny Omega which I don't know if anybody knows this or has been paying attention and you might not even know this Matt but uh not that anyone's taken stake in something like this but someone came out and posted that uh as far as the wrestling observer goes and all their star ratings guess who has the highest amount of four and five star matches out of everybody ever since the dawn of the Wrestling Observer. This would be news to me. The Young Bucks. The Young Bucks, okay. Keep in mind, the Wrestling Observer has been around since the 80s. Yes. I think that speaks volumes about just how fucked up of a situation the Wrestling Observer is. Um, this is why I don't like the the star rating system. So you don't agree with, with that? I don't, okay. no. Uh, not when you're talking about, um, you know, someone like Ric Flair and, mm. and you know, having uh, matches with Ricky Steamboat. Right. You know how many times, uh, don't get me wrong, like, obviously only so many of them were televised for a massive audience. Yes. But do you know how many times... Dave Meltzer and crew were not around to witness those house show spots. And not that I was there, but if you listen to enough people mm-hmm. and you, you, you put two and two together with some common sense, mm-hmm. Flair versus Steamboat, night after night after night, you mean to tell me that the Young Bucks should have more four and five star matches than those two guys? Well, and, and, that, and that's just two guys out of a fucking pantheon. Yeah, a pantheon. Excuse me, of professional wrestlers. Over Put that years. in your dictionary vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> um, all kidding aside, um, you and I were actually just talking about this. I'm not going to go into detail of what we're talking about, but basically agendas and 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 biasness <laughs> yes let us not forget that and i'm not saying this is the case like i do love the, the young bucks but i agree with you that no that, no, no so do i right. I'm a young bucks fan. yeah absolutely and um i hear what you're saying i agree with that i, I think the, the one thing that needs to be put into question is is dave Meltzer's relationship with the young bucks well that's uh, what kills me about all this because you you know, obviously they don't like Dave Meltzer, and he's come out and said he he can't stand them as whatever. Mm-hmm. But here here he is. They have they have the highest amount of four and five star matches. So it's like I I, I don't know. Something is being lost in translation in that relationship for me anyway. 
I think the problem with having any kind of rating system, not and you you've established this many many podcasts ago, many episodes ago, that you know, you take you take the stars with a grain of salt. You you and I don't really take them with any seriousness whatsoever. But no, um, I'll answer real quick because I know it's not really the question here, but but um, the the issue with with a, a star rating is that it's 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 a biasness of of one two to a few people and that's really it um it's the same thing that goes with with any kind of like top 10 or the whatever even the ones that we do it is biased based off our likings you try to be as unbiased as possible but let's face facts i'm i am a fan of of certain kind of wrestling you are a fan of certain kind of wrestling and that's okay you know so I, I don't know I don't I don't have an answer for it. I, I mean you know we started seeing six star matches you know with with Kenny Omega at one point um, to the point where it's like are we to say as much as I love Kenny Omega are we, are we to say that we've never seen anything as good as what he's brought to the table right until now so yeah I mean it's 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 kind of ridiculous. Um, I don't. I don't. I, t- I put no. I put no seriousness to that. Just like I don't put any seriousness to the guy coming up next and cheeseburger. Um, <laughs> He's world famous. Who? Yeah. When I when I first saw that, I'm like, who? Who the fuck wrote that? Like, it, it, whatever. I'm not gonna go on a tangent about cheeseburger. It is cool to see Mike Bennett in the Indies again. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Hopefully doing some serious wrestling. But um. Uh. So, your question was about commentating correct or i was kind of confused where we left off with that uh, i i wanted to know what your thoughts were about uh, not necessarily the the star rating but what jonathan gresham said about uh you know having having all those parts to a match and how important they are oh, okay. the referee you know yes 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 i mean do do you think um First of all, do you, you know how much how much stake do you take into what he said? And then the bigger question for me was something that we have yet to talk about was the overall effect of the elite in Ring of Honor, whether that was ultimately a good thing or a bad thing for them. So, as far as the um as far as, as the, the the total package of wrestling uh that's exactly. I mean, I I couldn't uh, agree with Jonathan Gresham more. I mean, um, unless unless another thing that uh, that Gresham I would would attest to because he, obviously he's a wrestler that he maybe didn't discuss uh, in that uh, interview was they also call matches at times. They remind them too. You know, this is how much time we got. You know, go home. This or that. You know, they're constantly communicating with the with with the the competitors as well. They are unsung heroes, and they they add a lot to it. Whether, I mean, it you know, if it's all one big giant act, they, you know, they can't just be some stiff referee like back in the day. You know, it's it's very much you know that having those those bits of them being, you know, watching a match or, or a match take place, and they're very much into it as as a fan is. I pay attention to the refs a lot more than I think the normal person does. Um, just from just from you know the one the, the the good ones that are constantly involved to the to the ones that are just kind of just there just to count one two three, 
Uh, commentary, obviously, we've we've discussed so much on this on the show. It's it kills matches. It kills entire shows. Um, and, and I'm not gonna sit here and and, and, and poke fun at you know, people like Corey Graves and Michael Cole. Corey Graves is a shit commentator. He's a she's a shit commentator. <laughs> he absolutely fucking sucks. He is very cliche. He's Jerry Lawler at, at sixty years old or seventy years old, whatever the fuck he is now, is a better heel commentator than Corey Graves. Um, and that and that's saying something because Jerry Lawler's not even trying anymore. Right. And I'm not complimenting Jerry Lawler because I don't think he's very good anymore either. Not that I ever really cared for him, but there was a time where he was a good heel commentator. Michael Cole. Has so little enthusiasm in matches; it's it's pathetic. So it doesn't matter if you if you're gonna give me six star match, if he's calling it, it's it's hard to get into it because so much there's so much, and, and not all of it's Michael Cole's fault either. It, it's it's the gorilla position where we're talking about shit that's happening. It's the old WCW uh, mentality. Let's talk about matches that are taking place later on on the card. Fuck what's happening in the ring, <laughs> where you know a guy like uh, Kevin Kelly and and whoever he's surrounded by, they're giving you fucking statistics to you know what how, you know Zack Saber Jr. I'll never forget the Zack Saber Jr. How, how many of the matches ended by submission and what kind of submission and things like that. I mean, these are like legit statistics, and it's it's making you like, oh my god, he here he is, he's he's working on this, like he's probably gonna go for this. And he's, they're setting you up before before Zack Sabre Jr. even does it. You're you're preparing, and you're like, oh my god! As soon as you see him start working that leg, he's like, okay, this is what he's going for. He's going to go for that leg, and he's going to work on that all match. You know, Randy Orton, for example, not that he's a, a, as good as Zack Sabre Jr. by any means. He works that same methodical style where he's going to pick a body part. But and, and here's the thing. Zack Sabre Jr. is not a, a flashy wrestler. He's not very entertaining, into to a guy who to a fan base that you know is all about the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. He's very slow and he's very he's very methodical. And I you know I explained that to my girlfriend you know about that. Like Zack Sabre Jr. is not going to be the most exciting guy in the room, but if you really pay attention to him, he's going to be he's gonna he's gonna leave a, a mark in, in your brain that like this, that this guy. When he's in the ring, he's going to break you. That's what he does. Randy Orton, to a lesser extent, does the same style. Doesn't he's not a submission wrestler, but he's known to work body parts and to keep on body parts. The difference is Michael Cole will never fucking talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> he will he will never bring it up at all throughout the match. You will never mention it. So you're not as a fan, you're not paying attention to it either. Right. If if you're if you're not trying to train yourself to do that, where Kevin Kelly, if you're not paying attention to it, he's going to say, "Hey, watch what he's doing, watch what he's doing," and that is getting that talent over because as you're not there live, if you're watching, if you're listening to Kevin Kelly, you're not there live. You're watching it at home or somewhere, and somebody else is telling you what to look for. That's it's it's like watching a fucking documentary. They're telling you what to look for. Watch this. If there's a storyline, tell the fucking storyline. Do all this. It's 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 very basic. And, and and you talk about Ring of Honor. That's where I feel that's where they're hurting the most right now. They have a horrible commentary team or commentary lead in in uh, Riccoboni. I, I I love Caprice Coleman. I wish he was back in the ring, but he's he obviously knows his shit. 
and he's gotten better as a commentator. But Riccoboni, he he's not a good setup guy. And that's always been my biggest issue with him. He He's intelligent enough to figure it out, but it doesn't seem like he is there yet. And he's not leading these matches. You know, the I, I, I remember watching the, the Lethal Castle match in the first round of the Pier Tournament. And there's just, there's just spots that he's missing. Constantly missing. He's over there making stupid puns still. Yeah. Up, you know, it, left and right. And I, I think that's what kills it for me the most with him is he just, he he tries too hard. It seems like he tries too hard you know, when G- it comes to the puns. Jim Ross or Mauro Ronaldo, you know, those guys, they have that excitement that gets you off their off your seat. Jim Ross back in the day, not so much now. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, Mauro Ronaldo is a guy that, you know, if there's a big move, he's going to be so enthusiastic about it to the point where, like, you're excited because of what you just saw and because you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I should be excited about this because he just, you know, because Mauro Ronaldo is showing enthusiasm. Same way if you watch uh, a baseball, you know, the MLB playoffs are going on when a guy hits a home run, usually the commentator. His voice raises, and you know they, they maybe they yell some kind of fun, you know, fun thing about he hit a home run, it's gone, or you know, put it on the board, or whatever you're talking about, or in soccer where they yell goal yeah. for fucking five minutes. <laughs> you know, it's it's supposed to bring that excitement. That is their job. That is their only job, and it's it's not an easy job to do. Not everybody can do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it on the fly like that. But I'm also not. Priding myself on being a great commentator, like Corey Graves thinks he is, uh, <laughs> or Michael Cole thinks he is. Uh, as far as what the elite, refresh me on that question again. What the elites and uh, overall, do you think they they did Ring of Honor a, a, a good thing? Or was it a good thing for Ring of Honor to have the elite over, or was it a bad thing? It, it, you know, reflecting back. I mean. Short term, short term, it's it, it was ne- it's never a bad thing to have somebody so over that you're you're selling out arenas. Uh, merchandise sales is through the roof. Buy rates are through the roof. I, I don't think you short term you could ever say it, it hurt them uh, for them being that over. Uh, Long term, I, I I would say the same thing, but just like everything else, everything has to be done properly. The they knew the elite wasn't going to resign. At the end of was it 2018, they knew they weren't coming back. They didn't do enough to get other talent over. So when that passing of the torch happened, it just happened and said, "See, ya, we're, we're gone." You knew they weren't resigning. You knew that, and all they did was build it as final battle, which was Ring of Honor's last pay per view of 2018. This is the last pay per view for the Young Bucks. This is the last pay per view for Cody. So you knew Cody was going to drop the title that night. You knew this and that, and it just it left nothing, no room for any kind of growth for anybody else. So, Ring of Honor, I, I don't blame the Elite for that. The way that I blame the Elite for how they left New Japan, I don't blame it because they they knew they weren't going to resign. And the negotiations fell through. They, they, they knew that Ring of Honor knew they weren't going to resign. Ring of Honor didn't do a bad... long Even long-term, it's still not what they did with the Elite. It's how they managed knowing the elite was going to leave. And I, I think that's that's their biggest fault. Uh, 
So this was kind of a last minute, a, a last minute addition. It's not really that big of a topic I really want to talk about, but I want to ask a question anyways. Uh, the September 28th edition of Raw is, is in the books, and there was no Raw Underground segment because no Raw Underground segment was taped. Okay. Uh, I think if, if I get my, my facts correct, it's pandemic-related. So that's never a good thing, of course. But uh, with that being said, there's talks that the the October 5th, if I'm getting my, my, uh, my dates correct, the, the first Monday in October... There's talks that there's not anything planned for Raw Underground that show either. I'm asking you this question, Joe. As should the WWE use this as an excuse to just cut ties with Raw Underground altogether? Because it's a fucking shit show. <laughs> <laughs> if they're smart, they will. Uh, because you're right, it is a shit show. I mean, you. It, it, you know what it feels like? It feels like. Someone who has little to no experience with combat sports <laughs> was sitting in in a meeting room at a table with a nice comfy chair, probably in a suit, no less than three pieces, yeah. with some pen and paper, sat there and was like, you know what we should do? We should take wrestling... Or no, I'm sorry. We should take sports entertainment and mix MMA into it, and this is how we're gonna do it. You, you, you figure it out. You, you over there, just go ahead, figure it out. And, Here's your shit on the wall. Make it stick. Yeah, and and this is what happened. <laughs> um, yeah, if they're smart about it, they'll they'll just they'll act like it never happened. Cause uh, let's face it, at, at this point. Even, even whether whether the reasoning is uh, COVID nineteen or something else, now's the time. Now's the time to sit and figure out what you can and cannot get away with, as far as shit sticking to the wall. It's as simple as that. I think I think uh, Jim Cornette pointed it out uh, about Ring of Honor and their pure tournament. He's like, man, they're the first ones to get it. They realize that, guess what? Ratings don't matter right now. Because you don't have a live audience. Mm-hmm. You're, you're there. You still have to put out content. Make that, Figure out what's going to make that content worthwhile in the long run. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you get that first and foremost, and then you build off of that. And, and I think that's the smartest way to do this. Yeah. Because here you have WWE, which, you know, that also came out in, in the dirt sheets, that WWE is no longer, um, they could give two shits whether you pay for a special event or not. I, I'm, and I'm calling it a special event because uh, pay-per-view is pretty much dead when it comes to the WWE network. Mm-hmm. Um, they have bastardized that term. Uh, from here on out, but they're more concerned with the amount of content. So they're going to put on a special event whenever the fuck they want to put on a special event, even if they're back-to-back weeks. You know? Which and, we saw and, with yeah. SummerSlam and Payback. Yeah, and you're not going to stop them. Yeah. And so that's what they're doing now with Clash of the Champions and NXT TakeOver. They're literally back-to-back weeks. Mm-hmm. So... 
that's the wrong approach. And great, if that's what you're going to do, that's what you're going to do. But the bottom line is, figure it out. Figure out what works for you guys. Because what works for them is not necessarily going to work for New Japan or Ring of Honor or whomever. Uh, but you have to figure out what works for your audience. And uh, definitely this fucking uh, Raw Underground segment, its it doesn't work. I'm sorry. Just get rid of it. Yeah, this might piss off some rich people out there, but this is very much an example of a of a rich kid getting the keys to daddy's car and, and fucking crashing it. I mean, <laughs> oh my God, it, it's fucking terrible. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, speaking of terrible... Terrible decisions. <laughs> and the WWE. Uh, I don't think we've talked about this yet either. And, and I'm ass- I assume we'll do it in length uh, and great detail uh, at some other time. But okay. the Undertaker's Last Ride documentary. Uh, I'm not going to go over the entirety of it. Uh, there's one thing I want to point out. I want to just pick your brain about. The ending. So apparently... The, the way it was originally going to end was with The Undertaker stating that he's done. And Vince McMahon didn't like that, so he ended up pretty much editing it and, and making sure that The Taker, at the end of it, came out and used the phrase specifically, never say never, when it came to another in-ring return. And uh, the Undertaker's quoted as saying, needless to say, he, meaning Vincent Mann, didn't like the ending at all. That's where we put the line back in there, never say never. I'm coming to grips with it. Obviously, as we get close to March or April, which is WrestleMania time, Mm -hmm. traditionally, I'll have that internal feeling like I should be getting ready for something. Your thoughts? I, you know... I, I know how I feel about The Undertaker coming coming back at, at any given point at this time. Yeah. Um, but I want to know, uh, what do you think? Uh, well, I mean, it, it, The Undertaker re-recording and adding that line uh, into the into the, the, the Last Ride documentary series, I, I can give two shits on. I mean, it is what it is. If it appeases to Vince McMahon, he's paying for the fucking thing. Whatever. I That's fine. As far as him, the comments that he made, the alarming part for me are the comments that he made in regards to um, WrestleMania season next year uh-huh. and, and getting ready for like, yeah, I need to get ready. To me, I, I'll never understand that. Um, you know, I, I watched a little bit of the, the, the documentary series, didn't really care for it because I didn't feel it was authentic. Uh, no shots at, at Taker or anything like that, but this is a WWE Network thing, and and you know things like agendas and all that bullshit, and you know I, we don't need to go into that. It, it, that's how I feel about him coming back, though. Obviously, I don't want to see it, but reality is, it's it doesn't sound like he's. <laughs> and would I say this to his face? Yeah, I would. Doesn't have the balls to tell Vince McMahon no. Um, what reasons does he have to come back? What does he owe Vince McMahon to come back? I mean, as far as saying never say never for the doc, my point is saying never never say never for the documentary. That's one thing. That's just you 
doing a favor for Vince McMahon or, or whatever to get your fucking show out, and so you can probably get paid and all that stuff. But as far as WrestleMania season goes on, is there a contract that I don't know about that says you have to come back? I mean, you could always tell the old man, I'm fucking done. I'm, I'm done. I, I don't want to do it anymore. Why do you continuously feel the need to continuously say yes? That's my biggest issue with, with Mark Calloway is he doesn't know when the fuck just to say no. Just go away. <laughs> just go away and stay away. Just say no. You're not doing it. I'm done. I'm not coming back. It's as simple as that. What is it? What I mean, was this fucking Vince McMahon a fucking mob leader? Like, come back or I'm going to fucking, you know, attack your family? Like, what? what is it? That was, what am I missing here? Um, so as far as him coming back, if he comes back and doesn't actually want to come back, he's a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> as far as me as, as me as a fan, I I, did, I haven't wanted to see him come back for the last ten plus years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I it's it's a stupid. <laughs> Stay home. You know what? Let's let's talk. Keep WWE here uh because i want to talk to you about clash of champions now i haven't watched it yet you have i did boy did i and i wanted to i wanted to ask you because you kind of surprised and not kind of you did surprise me by uh by your review for it so i'm gonna bring it up in, in a nutshell what is your review of clash of champions and ladies and gentlemen you're going to be surprised what you hear here. My review for Clash of the Champions, fucking phenomenal. I, I, I'm i getting goosebumps just talking about it. And, you and, heard that right, ladies and gentlemen. You know I what, haven't seen it, so... You know, what kills me, you know what kills me about all this? So, here's the thing. I don't know. I can't, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know why exactly why this was so good. And I, the reason I say it that way, I'm not necessarily shitting on, on their roster or anything, the company, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, what I am trying to say is, you know, something definitely changed, but now I have to ask myself, is this having such a profound effect on me right now because it's the equivalent of me eating tablespoon of shit after tablespoon of shit <laughs> after tablespoon of shit and then being fed steak or is it truly because this is is something genuine that happened where I didn't you know where shit was never an issue um it it, it hit all the right spots man it 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 satiated all Every craving in the variety show that is supposed to be professional wrestling that I, I want to see. And uh, I was telling Matt before we started recording, uh, I ended up watching it with, with my daughter. You know, we we try to watch as much wrestling as possible um, so that we have, uh, one, enough to talk about here on, on, on the podcast, but uh, just out of curiosity as a wrestling fan. So, um I always watch with those two reasons, uh, and obviously because I'm a wrestling fan. Like I love to watch wrestling, but <laughs> I, 
I was I was genuinely shocked and surprised that I liked this damn pay-per-view so much. Or, I'm sorry, the special event. <laughs> you know, they start off the, the the event with a ladder match between AJ Styles, Sami Zayn, and... Um, why am I drawing a blank? Jeff Hardy. Thank you. I'm sorry, Jeff Hardy. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> and, wow, just... It, it was like, you know what it felt like? It felt like someone was like in the gorilla position before they came out. And they were like, stop. Before you guys go out there, there you just have one general rule of thumb on how to approach this match. And it is this. Go out there and have fun. As fucked up as that sounds. It was like finally someone just didn't micromanage them. You know? And wasn't in their ear about every little fucking thing. It was just like, hey, go have a great fucking match. And just trusting your talent. It felt like you were watching something from the heyday of Ring of Honor. Yeah. Um, it was, But it also felt like instant classic WWE shit. It was great. Like, the bumps Hardy was taking, he looked like... Jeff Hardy of old. Wow. Um, wow. AJ Styles. You know, he's, you know, I always love the way AJ sells, and it, it was no different here, but he looked like the AJ of old. And then Sami Zayn, like, man, you felt like you were watching El Generico without a uh. fucking mask. And you go back and you put all three of those guys, and this, this is what it became like a fucking dream match that you wish you would have thought of. You know, that's what it felt like to me. And I can't, I dude, I can't speak. I mean, did Vince call off? I, I don't know, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe that's what it was. Like, maybe they were like, Vince, uh, someone needs your assistance in yeah. the bathroom real quick. Could you go check and, like, they locked Lock them, in, them there, in there? You know? God I don't damn know. it, pal. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> I need a headset. Yeah. Magic is going on. That's, that's what's happening. Fuck. But yeah, I can't I can't speak enough about it and it's available on the network yes. 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash WWE network all one word. Please get yourself a subscription. And before we move on to the next question, we, obviously we're not going to break down the entire card because there was a lot of matches to get to, but real quick here, you you made a mention to me about Roman Reigns. Now, I I call him out last week about being a shitty wrestler. Am I eating my words this week? Is did he you are, just like I had to eat my hat a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think anybody who's listened to our podcast for a certain amount of time knows that we are ultra critical of Roman Reigns. And I think a lot of people are. Because, you know, we are of the opinion, we're of that crowd that we we have been oversaturated yeah. with Roman Reigns over the years because he has been purposely shoved down our throats. Right. And, and to cut 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 in just real no, quick. Please, please. It's not like everybody else to the sense of it's just you know it's it, it, it's for a reason because the the guy can fucking go. He's he's very and I've said this on the podcast before. He is very very. Um, quick and agile for a guy of his stature, very reminiscent to an, a younger Undertaker. He's got those kind of like move sets. Why isn't he fucking using it? 
if you're gonna shove me, him down my throat, at least make it fucking taste good. <laughs> so I, that that's my biggest gripe about him. He's got it all there. Yeah, oh he yeah. just fucking doesn't do it. It's just, it's John yeah. Cena. All it's the Samoan John Cena. The Samoan <laughs> John Cena. Oh boy, it's uh, Jonah Cena. You can't see me, oops. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but going on on, on uh, Roman Reigns on this particular night, uh, um, Clash of Champions again. It it was like uh, how did you say it? Vince called off. Yeah, <laughs> because. Um, Take a look when you guys, you know, it's it's on again. It's on the network, but when, watch that match. And there's a couple things I want to say about it. One, you gotta you gotta please pay your undivided attention to the match because you will hear, you will audibly hear the the uh, switching over of microphones. Uh, I don't know what other way I can explain that, but you'll you'll there's a, a noticeable. It's audible. Okay. And you'll hear them, like, make the 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 ring mics live during certain times of the match. And you get to hear all of the trash talking these two are doing to each other. And I love that they did that because it progresses the match. Mm-hmm. It progresses the storyline between the two. It was, it was that... It was uh, just like Jonathan Gresham was talking about. It was one of those important elements of the match. Yeah. It was what the color commentators should have been doing this whole time. And you know what? That's the fucking thing. They were actually doing their job during this match. So it made it even more potent when you hear when you had to hear um, Roman Reigns talk about or not talk about telling Jey Uso, demanding Jey Uso. Tell him he is the chief. You're going to announce to me that I am the chief. Otherwise, this ass-beating is going to continue. That, like, wow. Where has this fucking Roman Reigns been this whole time? This is great. And then, like, credit to Jey Uso, too. Like, he fucking stepped it up. Mm -hmm. And he became that babyface that he needed to be. And he was he was the one trying to thwart all of the heel tactics that Roman Reigns was putting out there. And god damn it, were they fucking ultra heel. It was great, dude. Oh my Beautiful. god. Beautiful. So yeah, I can't speak enough about the pay per view. I was telling Matt, even even uh Bobby Lashley, who I'm not a fan of. Yeah. And he you know, he could go fly a kite for all I care. <laughs> but this whole hurt business shit you know, they had MVP at ringside for his match, and, mm-hmm. and MVP did not get involved. He was there, like, literally as, like, a fucking motivational coach, pretty much. But it worked, and that match was a solid match. And, and I was telling Matt, you know, my daughter and I, you know, we're not that big of fans of the current WWE product, but the entire time this pay-per-view was on, her and I were fucking enthused. And, and I think that speaks... Tremendous volumes about what they offered us. You know what it also sounds like too that happened. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounded like a like an ultimate variety show. Yeah, that's a definitely definitely a, a good way to put it. Maybe for we sure. do know what we're talking about after all. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, even even the I, I told Matt probably one of the only gripes I had about the show was the uh, the comic spots with the twenty four seven yeah uh, title. But 
going back, like it sucked that they had, they thought they felt they had to put them in there. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They made sense. Okay. They made sense, and for what they were, they were effective. I can't be that mad. Right on. And plus, I got a soft spot for little Jimmy. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I look forward to watching. I, I haven't watched it. I, I had, I, I had, and I, and I still have full intention on watching it. But uh, yeah, I definitely have the def, uh, going in there with a little more excitement now. Hell yeah, dude! So just like a just muster through this. I'm and, excited that you're still gonna watch it. Like yeah, I can't wait yeah. to hear and pick your brain about it. Um, moving along. <laughs> Speaking of um, uh, retributions and uh, redemptions and things of that nature, I have to talk to you about what is being perceived as the utter fumblefuck that was the debut of Miro, Uh, formerly known as Rusev, mm -hmm. in AEW. Your thoughts? Did you get to watch it? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I did watch it. Um, please tell me. I I, I want to hear my, what you have to hear. <laughs> my 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 thoughts is again. Maybe we do know what we're talking about after all, uh, because I did do recall on this podcast saying that uh, there's nothing special about this guy, uh, and I think he established that. Um, there's really not much else to say other than that. You know, it, the, here's the, here's the thing. I, again, everything you know, booking wise. This is already a bad situation, but he comes in with very little ring work uh, in, in the past few months, and they immediately put him into the forefront uh, with this with the storyline with uh, Kip Sabian, and he sh- he proved right away, right the fuck away, that whatever he did in WWE is nothing compared to what the rest of the wrestling world is. And Miro is a, is a perfect example to what I say about certain guys in WWE. You take them out of that WWE element where you don't actually have to wrestle. And you're exposed right away. And that's why you don't work in other companies. Because in other companies, you can't put on half-ass matches and call it a day. Uh, not saying that they don't happen in AEW, but... A perfect fucking example of that. Um, mediocre at best. Gimmick-wise, it's, it's fucking atrocious. <laughs> uh, for me, this is not a, 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 a you know a clusterfuck or anything like that. This is just he's you know the the late Dennis, Dennis Green would say he is who I thought he was, and, <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're we're letting him fucking still go. So it, it you know. This is one of those situations where it's just like, dude, seriously. Like, you can't keep fucking signing guys just because they're no longer with the WWE. This is what happens. This is what fucking happens. Uh, speaking of this is what happens, uh, this one... This one is is, is, is quite fucked up. Um, it involves Joey Ryan... Oh boy! Uh, I don't know if you heard about this. <laughs> I might have. <laughs> Joey Ryan uh, supposedly is about to is just filed a lawsuit. Oh, I have not heard about uh, this. He filed a lawsuit for fifteen million dollars. Fifteen million dollars, uh, and it's against his uh, speaking out accusers. Oh shit! Uh, 
I'm gonna. There's, there's a lot to read here, so this is gonna be one of those those topics. That I think we we should definitely nail on a little bit more on a future episode. But this just came out like just a few days ago, prior to us recording here. Um, he's suing for defamation uh, lawsuit. Character. Yeah, defamation okay. character. Uh, claim that the women made false accusations that have damaged his reputation and livelihood. In the lawsuit, Joey Ryan claims to have lost the following, and I'll read these. All right, so he lost, according to him, according to his lawsuit, he's lost followers on his Twitter account of at least 11,000 followers and is no longer getting 1,000 followers per month as plaintiff was prior to defendant's statements. Lost followers on his Instagram account at least 8,000 followers and is no longer getting 1,000 followers per month. Um... Which I'm assuming results in compensation, if if I'm if that's how. That yeah, would you work. would think. Uh, like otherwise, why would? Why, he... Yeah, why does it matter? Um, lo- here's a bigger one: lost venues for his bar wrestling promotions, including Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles, American Legion Hall in Baldwin Park, and Glass House in Pomona. Those are all California-based. Uh, lost revenue from bar wrestling in amount of fifteen hundred dollars per month from distribution and streaming services, and two thousand dollars per month. With two events per month. Lost revenues from merchandising in the amount of $1,000 per month. Lost revenues in his Patreon account in the amount of $3,000 per month. A couple more here. Lost revenues in his Cameo account in the amount of $500 per month. Uh, Two more. Lost revenue from Twitch account in the amount of $1,000 per month. Plus subscription shares and tips from subscribers. And lost revenues from wrestling performance bookings of $8,000 to $10,000 per month there's a little bit more on there but initial <laughs> like, reaction as, as in conan said as, yeah. as conan says that's enough yeah. Um, uh yeah i mean he's basically looking at according to this five million uh as of to each of the defendants in non-economic damages i mean it's there's a, there's, there's a lot more onto it if anyone that's familiar with any kind of legal uh, lawsuits it's it's quite wordy but in a nutshell uh he's he's claiming that these women are 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 all part of his or have caused him to lose all this money it makes sense for him to lose all this money because of him being accused of all this your initial reactions joy joy ryan this is obviously a guy that has been uh essentially erased from from professional wrestling over the past, uh, or during the summer, um, what is your reaction to, to now hearing that uh, he's filing a lawsuit for defamation of character? How very American of him. Um, I mean, let's face it, we live, you know, uh, us out here in the States, it's just, I man, I hate to say it, but like, this is so commonplace. Yeah. You know, you, you fucking do wrong, and that's not the end of it. Like, essentially, it just goes to a legal battle. Mm-hmm. Whether you're right or you're wrong in the matter. Like, you fucking, all of a sudden, you're in court. Yeah. And it's like, why can't people just fucking own up to what they did? You know? Now, let me ask you this question. Um, are any of these women taking Joey Ryan to court for any kind of... Uh, for the actual like sexual abuse or you know what to my knowledge i don't know i I don't truth be told i don't keep up with uh joey ryan or or his his comings and goings sure you know just because uh like one i i was never a big joey ryan fan to begin with 
And two, um, like I have much more shit on my plate to 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 sit and, and you Fair know enough. like I, I have priorities. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I will say this, you know, I didn't know about any of this. Obviously, that's all news to me. But uh, in the way of bar wrestling, I don't know if you know this, but he put out the entire library of bar wrestling for free on YouTube and he gave the information uh, out to the public over social media and and I'm going to say a few things about that and and maybe this will clear up your 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 mind about some things but mm-hmm. so he does that right but he doesn't do it as Joey Ryan he uses either a, an alias or like the the uh, the the guys of of bar wrestling entertainment as opposed to Joey Ryan from bar wrestling okay to say like hey this library is free all 200 plus episodes whatever whatever you guys can watch them for free online hoping that people will go to YouTube watch them enough to where he'll be getting some sort of revenue from YouTube for all this right my gripe with that is I think it shows right there that you know you know you fucked up A.A. Ron (laughs) (laughs) you know you fucked up because you won't come out in social media under your stage name or, or performer's name whatever and still try to feed us all that information. You have to do it under the sky, the the guise of bar wrestling mm-hmm. entertainment or bar wrestling whatever uh company that is. Yeah. And you know, I I I think you know, I I was taught a long time ago by a good friend of mine, you know, there's three sides to a story, yours, mine and the truth. And as, as much as I would like to sit there and say that people are completely doing Joy Ryan wrong, unfortunately, I, I think he, he is that kind of a person where at some point he did make some sort of a fucking mistake and approach someone the wrong way or multiple women the wrong way and did them wrong. And, you know, that is what it is. But you... You have to own up for what you did wrong. I, I believe that at the end of the day, that's what matters to me. Be be uh, be human enough to just admit your faults, and 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 begin the healing process to get past it the right way. Don't don't just sit there and like try to you know get get juice out of a out of a fucking lemon that doesn't have any juice left like mm. dude fucking leave it be you're done yeah. you fucked up you're done yeah. no, no matter what has happened whether they're lying or telling the truth or it's a mixture of the both it's over with it's the, the damage has been done you should just pick up the pieces and go home. Start your life somewhere else. Yeah, and, and, you know, and, and 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 you know, real quick here, I, I did talk about in the past. You know, this is the problem if if they are lying, and and I'm not saying they are or not because I I don't know. You know, it, it it does ruin a guy's career. Yeah, but 
so I don't necessarily say just leave and you know let them let them win because then the, the careers can be destroyed easy, too easily that way. But this is not the way to do it. I mean, this is not the way to to go out and and try to clear your name. You know, you are. I mean, the, the legal system is one way of doing that. You know, look, if I'm guilty of something, then come at come at me. You know, and, and try to get your, clear your name that way. Um, but to just go flat out and 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 just go after you know money because you're worried about the money that you lost. You're clearly worried about your pockets and not your integrity, and that's my biggest issue here. Your 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 first battle should have been like, look. If, if, let's say he didn't do any of this shit. Look, I'm Joey Ryan, and I didn't fucking do any of this, and I will go to my fucking deathbed to prove that. Then you have a fighter here. Here you have somebody that's worried about his fucking pocketbooks and how he's going to make his living. And that right there, to me, is either a fucking idiot <laughs> or a guy that just uh, is it in one is in a way, one way, shape, or form, admitting to his to his faults. There just seems to be this overwhelming sense of desperation at yeah, this point. Very you know? much so. So, um, Josh Barnett's blood sport. John Moxley versus Chris Dickinson is the main event. Please tell me, how fucking awesome is this going to be? It's happening at the collective, man. Um, I'm glad they're they're doing that. By the way, in Indianapolis, Indiana is where it's all going to be taking place. Um, if you're not familiar with 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 blood sport, whether it's Josh Barnett or Matt Matt Riddle, uh, man, what a what a fucking hell of a show that is, man. That is that is what Raw Underground's trying to be. Yes, but but not <laughs> not but not. You know, uh, <laughs> you know what it what this is. It's 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 a uh, it's going to, you know, you take you take pro wrestling and then you add you add in a heavy emphasis on roughneck style wrestling. So it's not MMA. Don't don't call it MMA because it's not that. It's just it's roughneck meets grappling, submission based wrestling. And here you have a guy in Chris Dickinson who, for those who haven't been paying attention, has not let the pandemic slow him down. He is on a fucking hot. He streak. looks good too, and man. He he's, is, yeah. he's leaned up a bit and he's fucking nice and fucking solid. The like, dirty daddy, baby. Like goddamn, dude. The dirty daddy versus John Moxley, man. I'm, I'm telling you this right now. If John, if John Moxley brings his A game, which I think he will, we are in for a hell of a fight, and that's what this is going to be. Uh, I'm excited about it. When I when I when I saw that booking, I I was already going to you know watch all the collective because again I I fucking love that they do this. They didn't they didn't get to do it WrestleMania season for obvious reasons. They're doing it now. Indianapolis, Indiana, twenty x twenty crew dot com slash podcast slash fight. That's F I T E. Get all the information you need. Uh, help pay for it by becoming a new subscriber, and we're gonna give you fifteen dollars worth of credits if you use our link again. That's twenty x twenty crew dot com slash podcast slash uh, fight f-i-t-e and watch all that but man i i am i'm looking forward to this and uh i'm hoping they beat the piss out of each other and and the way that chris dickinson's going right now man i mean we because everybody see no everyone knows john moxley's everyone knows john moxley's is hot right now you know obviously you watch him in AEW. you're probably gonna see him in new japan at some point soon because he's, he's got to defend that title at some point right 
Um, yeah, man, I here you have here you have two two just really hot commodities going at it, and I, I think it's going to be great. Uh, this is one of those dream matches for me. Um, so I, I look forward to it, man. I heavily look forward to it. My money is on Chris Dickinson. I don't. I mean, I don't. My money is to want to win is Chris Dickinson, but uh, I, I don't know if he's going to win or not. But because I, I love the Dirty Daddy, I don't. I'm not ashamed to admit to that either. Fucking uh, <laughs> what kills me about this is like you have you have a performer like Moxley. You know that's what he's known for. Yeah. You know he gets he gets signed to the WWE mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. They water him the fuck down to the point where he wants to leave. He gets to leave. He's in AEW. And let's face it, for my money, he's still not that John Moxley that we all came to know and love mm-hmm. as as a hardcore um, icon, I guess, at this yeah. point. But um, So it's going to be really fucking awesome to see him completely in his element. Yes. Real quick about the collective, too. Deanna Perrazzo pulled out. Yes. And, yes. and she's citing uh, the fact that she's gearing up for Impact Wrestling and and uh, what they have to offer her. Um, please refresh my memory. What happened at the last night of Warrior Wrestling? Um the uh, she had her last match, her last indie match. Okay, was that uh, Velvet Sky, or was it? Um, if, if it was the very last show, I don't remember. I didn't oh, I haven't seen it yet. But um, whoever it was was fighting Kylie Ray, and because of Impact Wrestling. Oh, Madison Rain. Madison Rain. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, so yeah, Madison Rain also pulling out of the Indies because of Impact Wrestling. Um. Man, such a double-edged sword for me because, like, them being at the collective in some form or fashion would have only added to what is about to be a pretty kick-ass show. Yeah. Or a set of shows. Serious yeah. shows, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, speaking of it is what it is, I I have a problem with AEW booking again. I gotta, I gotta bring it up to you because you're the king of bookers. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, AW Dark uh, has, has become a a series of mainly squash matches. I, I shouldn't say squash matches because they're not squash matches. They they are letting these guys, even though they they lose all the time, these, jo- <laughs> these jobbers perform. Okay. okay, I give them that credit. The obviously AEW has win loss records planted all over the fucking place, and you'll have guys there uh, that are zero and eleven, you know, zero and twelve. Yeah, and it looks fucking terrible. Well, apparently one guy got over so much that they said, you know, you're going to become all elite now. He had a good had a good showing at the 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 battle royal at uh, All Out, um, but. He goes from losing every single week to now, if it wasn't for COVID and, and, and Lance Archer being pulled from the show, would have been in a main event six-man tag match with the champion, John Moxley. I'm talking about Will Hobbs here. Does him losing and, and having his record being plastered every single week constantly to now all of a sudden I'm teaming with John Moxley. And by the way, here's my record. I'm now 
miraculously two and five. Where the hell did those <laughs> other eleven matches go into? <laughs> You're still not an impressive record. How they booked Will Hobbs and how they're booking this uh, supplemental talent, if you will, it, are they doing the right thing? Am I just am I just is this a bad gripe for me to have, or is this could they book him better? Because Will Hobbs went from jobber to now teaming with John Moxley. So check this out. You you, you have this. I'm going to call it a situation. You have the situation in AEW where they make the decision to post win-loss records, right? Okay? And at the beginning, I was fine with that because here I thought, naively, I guess, at this point, Sure. wow, what, what an air of legitimacy this will give the product. You're 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 putting win loss records up there, and um, it'll be public knowledge and whatever. But then, you and I had come across some sort of uh, like a debacle with this, and like, wait a minute, how are they going to handle this situation with these win loss records? And we, I don't think we ever came to like a a definitive answer. But then before we could, they announced that the the records would reset after certain periods of time. Which originally I thought it was every year. Was it every year? Well, apparently now that's yeah, not apparently a thing. Yeah, apparently that's not so, a thing anymore, yeah. Um, so now you're, you're automatically getting into this horrible booking situation because you can't, you can't and or you won't keep up with those win-loss records, right? Mm-hmm. Now, reflecting back, I say that I got into it naively because you're not necessarily putting your talent over by plastering records of 0 and 11, you know, unless you book something for them. Yes. In, in complete reaction to that 0 and 11 or 0 and 15 or whatever the case may be. So I think that's what they're trying to do with Will Hobbs here. And if it works, great. And it's, it becomes one of those illogical, logical situations that pro wrestling just happens to. Sure, fair enough. You know, yeah. kind of put out there. <laughs> but, um, but if it doesn't work... Now you just have more of a shit show and, and more people to dislike AEW and their booking. Uh, but also, attached to this, I, I, have, I feel the need to reiterate what I mentioned a couple weeks ago with this, um, I, for, for lack of a better term, I'm going to say video gaming... Um, partially influenced way of booking your talent and and I'm not laying it all out there on, on Kenny Omega's shoulders mm-hmm. um, because obviously he's not the only person that plays video games mm-hmm. in that company but again I, I, I feel the need to ask you one more time where if any anywhere does um, that video game esque approach 
have a place in professional wrestling where you are keeping because let's face it at this point those you know that stat that win loss record mm-hmm. became less of a wrestling statistic and and I think it's now because I think because of the the majority of their fan base is just being chalked up there and and intermingled with video gaming and and those tendencies as opposed to like a a, a, a sports st- statistic sorry for the tongue tongue twister there um am i making sense am i just rambling because i'm old fucking man no you, you tell me I, I i hear what you're saying and i i, I don't I, I guess i, I can agree with that because i look at it more of a sports statistic um and maybe that's the new japan fan in me because okay you know, i mean i i do too like that's the way i so, took it but because I, I don't think i don't think other fans see it as a problem i i don't i just don't get it i don't get how you can have somebody, you know. Let's let's take John Moxley for example. John okay. Moxley is he's I, what is what is he seventeen and zero? I think the last time I saw him. Yeah, he's up there, and he's he's teaming with Will Hobbs, who's fucking went from zero to eleven to two and five. I don't know when that happened, but you know, apparently <laughs> he's two and five now. But a, a guy who has a very shitty record. Why the hell is he teaming with the champ who's undefeated? What, what makes him of that stature where it's like, Will Hobbs is my guy now? Where, when does that become like a legit thing? If he's that bad, and I'm not saying Will Hobbs is bad. I, I've liked what I've seen. I haven't seen him prior to AEW. I'm, I'm going to admit to that. What I saw him, he's a powerhouse and he can move. I, I like his work and I think he's got uh, plenty of a uh, good future if he keeps it up. But uh, going by win-loss records, if he's that bad, why the fuck is he up there with the champs? Shouldn't he be down with the, the, the lower-level talent? I mean, he's not facing the champion, but all of a sudden, John Mox is like, yeah, this is my guy. The guy that loses every single match is my guy. And it's like, there's one of those things where it's like, is it because it's pro wrestling? We don't, we don't need to make sense out of it? But if that's the case, then why have the win-loss records plastered on TV? Why talk about it? I think, def- well, I know definitely one mistake that AEW is making with their booking, and, and it doesn't apply to every booking decision that they make, but it, it does apply to some. And that's, they, I think they give their fan base, no, I don't want to say that. Uh, I think they give wrestling fans in general on the internet and everywhere. I think they give them a little too much credit and then just assume that everybody watches being the elite, the YouTube show. Yeah. And then you're supposed to, like they just make that blanket assumption like, oh, everybody watches every episode or they know about it to the point where we can just introduce stuff on AEW TV programming and you're just automatically supposed to know this is why this is happening. Yeah, I and, hate that mentality. Yeah, and, and I think that is a detriment to their booking because as much as I, I've watched the show previous to this, I don't watch it all the time. Yeah. I don't feel the need to watch it all the time. If you're telling me that I have to watch that show now in addition to AEW Dynamite and, and whatever else... um. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if 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 uh, 
if WWE was telling me like, hey, now you have to go watch this web show to figure out why Raw Underground is so shitty. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah. Like, why can't you just make Raw Underground better? Yeah. You know? You, 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 I sign up for two hours for a dynamite. Yeah. That's, that's, that's you all, should, that's you all should have all, yeah, you should have all the information there for me. Yeah. Why do I have to go watch something yeah. else? Uh, also, really quick, and, and I, I'm going to bring this up. This could be me just speculating at this point, but. Mm-hmm. You know, they're supposed to come out with another AEW show sometime next year. What if their approach to AEW Dark is in such a specific manner to where they're only letting certain talent over or to get over on that show because that other second show that's supposedly going to be on TNT, maybe that's their way of building up to that show, but... I don't have anything past that. I can't, I can't yeah. give you you know I can't give you an answer. That's why I said it's it's more more or less me speculating. But what do you think? Do you think that's a viable option for them? Is that a smart move by them to to um, engineer AEW Dark in such a manner to where eventually it'll pay off, but like a year or so later. How they're doing it, it's it's uh it's wishful thinking right there because the the booking for dark is is atrocious. Um, the matches are good, the matches are are good to to an extent I should say, um, but there's no rhyme or reason behind it, and 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 I get you know it's there's talent that's on there that's not officially signed to AEW. If that's what they're trying to do, they need to kind to start to figure out the who's who of those shows because it's just, it's all over the fucking place at times. Um, and I'm not saying Dark needs, is, is designed to have, uh, you know, storyline or, or, or that kind of, uh, that kind of direction, you know, but I don't know. I, I, I just, it, how they book in it is just, it's, it's all over the fucking place. <laughs> Speaking of booking... And getting back to impact. Okay. Uh, Mandatory.com is reporting that the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, want Impact Wrestling to build around them. They want to finish their careers out in Impact Wrestling. Your thoughts on what Impact Wrestling should do? Is this a smart move on Impact Wrestling's part? Are they worthy of being built, uh, like having them uh, having an entire company being built around them, add to the fact that they just got rid of Rob Van Dam. Yeah, uh, correct. Um, it's tough for me to answer that because I I really do like those guys. Uh, for me, that's quite a bit of ego uh, that I just can't. Uh, I can't hang my head on that, uh, unfortunately, for those guys. I mean, for in my opinion, um, I love those guys. I, I, I absolutely do, but I'm not going to sit here and, 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 and fucking lie to you and say that I like the way they've been booked so far or like their effort thus far. Um, I still feel right now that they're wrestling with a WWE mentality. And, and if you look at their caliber of matches... Uh, that you've seen, and uh, few that you've seen in Impact Wrestling thus far, I think it kind of shows, speaks for itself. Um, 
the old Ring of Honor mentality: respect is earned, right? And if you're gonna if you're gonna say those kind of things, you better be the best wrestlers on on that roster. And quite frankly, they're not. Even without Rob Van Dam being on there, um, I'm not gonna sit here and say Luke Gallows or Doc Gallows is is the best at anything. You know, he's he's a tag team specialist. That's all he is. Yeah, at this point in his yeah. career, right? You know, he his his he established that when he was in in the, in, in the Bullet Club. He established that when he was in WWE. He established that he established he's establishing that now. Carl Anderson, his best days are behind him too. You know, if you want to retire here, fine, but a company build around you, you're not a big enough, uh, big enough name. I don't care what ties you had to the Bullet Club or maybe have to the Bullet Club. You fucked that up the moment you signed that big ass contract to WWE. And you became a laughing stock of a tag team for what three years, maybe more. You left New Japan. Yeah, about three. Carl Anderson was fucking competing in G One. So, with, with that being said, do you think if they decided to not sign, resign with the WWE and went back to New Japan or, or wherever, do you think they would? You would perceive them as as a better, like in a better scenario to say they want to be uh they want to have a company built around them i don't see i don't see any company besides a small indie fucking company building around those guys i don't i just don't think they have it i you know i look at i love the machine gun i miss them the old machine gun as far as as where they're at as a name you're going to build yourself around if a company's going to build yourself around you themselves around you you gotta have everything. You gotta have the wrestling ability. You gotta have the name. You gotta have the charisma. You gotta have it all. You know, a guy like Kazuchika Okada, who we're watching face uh, Kota Ibushi, he's got he's got it all. Um, had uh, them signing the WWE contract, it it put a giant fucking bucket of water on the entire fire that they created in New Japan. So by the time that they're done. It's nothing but fucking ashes coming out of that fucking WWE machine. So no matter where you go, you're just... You, you, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be a fucking disrespectful prick here, but you're you're just another... You're just another name on that roster. Impact Wrestling, with or without Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows was doing just fine. And they'll continue to be, do just fine without them. With them, with them they, can, they can do great too. Had they go to New Japan again? New Japan's not building themselves around Gallows and Anderson. They're just gonna what they're gonna do is they're gonna rejoin the Bullet Club, but there's no or the, the, what they should do, I should say. But there's no there's nothing nothing that they have going on that, that that says to me you're better than Jay White, you're better than Kenta, you're better than Evil guys who are fucking killing it right now. This is the problem. This is one of those situations that I've talked about in this podcast so many times. Going to WWE and making all that money is great for your pocketbooks, but for your name, it fucking can potentially kill it. And in this case, I think it it, it just it did just that. They wasted the prime of their careers by being fucking AJ Styles lackeys or wearing lab coat coats and calling themselves <laughs> fucking doctors. I I don't I wouldn't build them around, build anything around them, and I wouldn't pay the guys to fucking do that either. 
I just don't see it. I don't know. Maybe you disagree, but I, I just no, don't no, fucking no. I, see it. I, I just, I'm asking you because I, 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 I don't know. Truthfully, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, do I think there's strong enough talents to be built around? Probably not, but um, <laughs> I, I think there's potential there. Sure, I, don't, I, I don't agree. Know, I don't know if they should be built around them. So. It sounds very egotistical, <laughs> in my, my opinion. And I don't have any problem with that, but you got to back it up. You gotta, okay. You got to back it up. Uh, speaking of backing it up, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. And uh, it's, this, is, this is a short, simple question. G1, who wins it? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> God damn, man. Um, who, do you, who do you want to win? If you don't have a, a booking answer, I'm not going to put the booking hat on you. Well, thank you for that. Um, but who do you want to take the G one? Man, you know what? You know, annually, you, you've got New Japan, and they do this thing, right? They do this thing where they have all these concrete, surefire guys, much like a Kazuchika Okada, who we're seeing on screen right now. Mm-hmm. And then you've got guys like Kota Ibushi, the up and coming guys, the guys so fucking strong, you think you know in your heart. They are ready for it, right? And then they get to that pinnacle, or what you perceive to be the pinnacle, and they don't get it. Yeah. Because ultimately, New Japan's like, you're not there yet. And you're like, motherfucker, I thought he was there. (laughs) And then they prove you, they prove to you that you were wrong. They come up with something bigger and better for them, and they take their time, and they're patient, which is... Something completely out of the fucking ordinary in the realm of professional wrestling these days is having patience when it comes to booking. So, I w- my heart wants to say someone like Akota Ibushi. Mm-hmm. But that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. For my money, and I think this partially has a lot to do with the with COVID and then them just trying to keep a strong fan base at this point. Um, I think we're going to see someone like Okada take it so that he does have the opportunity to rekindle or, or, or rejoin or, or uh, get back on track with his hero's quest for that fucking title again. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's probably a very safe answer for me sure. and, and whatever, but... I, I think it's also kind of common sense. Like, if I was booking it, I, I would, especially during these turbulent times. Like, don't get me wrong, we still have, you know, we just watched Jay White a little while ago. He rejoined. You know, Will Ospreay's there now. Like, it's good to see these guys getting back. But, you know, like, they're not going to give it to Jeff Cobb. Right. You know? I agree. They're, they're just not. It's That's just not the way they book shit. So, um,. Yeah, I, for my money, it's going to be someone like Kazuchika Okada. Do I have a problem with that? No, hell no, because New Japan delivers time and time and time again, man. Like, every time I think I have them fucking figured out, and I'm like, yeah, this is what they're going to do. Nope. They fucking fuck, they mind fuck you so bad, and, and you love it. You absolutely love it. Uh, Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um. Obviously, that would lead to Okada versus Naito for a uh, second year in a row at, at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't got a problem with that by any means. Um, I, it, it throws in the 
the issue now here of uh, Bullet Club versus Lij, which is obviously a big uh, a big rivalry, especially with Evil joining the Bullet Club early this year. Um, you know, one of those guys have a shot because you got three Bullet Club, uh, four Bullet Club guys. But I'll do respect. Takahashi isn't taking the G one. No, <laughs> but <laughs> but Evil, Kenta, and and Jay White, they gotta be legit players. I mean, does Jay White become the second uh, non Japanese again? G1 like winner? I, he's one of those guys. Like man, I really want Jay White to win this. Yeah, is he gonna win it? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. And again, that's partially due to COVID. Yeah, uh, I mean. When you go, I mean, it's 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 like uh, it's like playoff baseball. When you when you bottom on the ninth, and you need to, you need to, you need, you need you need a home run. Who do you go with? You go with your best hitter, and I think Okada's that safe bet. You know whether whether it works or not. I don't think anyone's going to complain about Okada versus Naito. Every time we see these guys go at it, especially in in big pay per view moments, and yes, they are pay per views in here. Um, they deliver, so I, I don't think I don't see anything wrong with that pick, or whether it's yours or or theirs. But uh, yeah, I would love to see uh, a, a Kenta or JY, especially especially since we never really got the the fallout of Kenta and what he did at uh, Wrestle Kingdom earlier this year. Lest we forget that there was wrestling that happened before the pandemic. Um, <laughs> um, what he did uh, at, at the end of Wrestle Kingdom of this year, and and just interrupting Naito's two belt victory and, and, and the hero's journey coming to an end just to find another villain lurking in the shadows. Um, to see that, that legit rematch and that legit rivalry, that would be great too. But uh, there's a, I mean, when it comes down to it, you got 20 people to choose from and the vast majority of them are, are not a bad pick. So. No, and you and that's know, great. That's great to have. That is. That's a good problem to have. Right. And, and you know, speaking to that too, Minoru Suzuki. Minoru Suzuki. You know, yeah. he came. He came into the G One this year with a fire under his ass because they excluded him last year. Yeah. You know, and what what a fucking interesting story that would be if he just comes in and mulls over opponent after opponent after opponent to get to the final. And win, like I would love to see that too. But chances are, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of shit that's not gonna happen, this one I definitely want to pick your your brain about. Um, knowing what we know about both of these guys, Roman Reigns uh, had come out in an interview, and you know he was this uh, this person wasn't the only person he was referring to, but he gets asked about. Um, certain guys or whatever, and he commented on a possible match with CM Punk. Here's what Roman had to say. I don't like the guy. I don't know how many people, I don't know many people that do, but I'm willing to put business first and make really good content if that's the case. He'd probably have to be slapped around a few times in order to get his mind right. Strong words that uh, cannot be backed up by Roman Reigns or... uh, or does CM Punk really have some some legit shit to worry about? Provided this ever happens, obviously. Uh, I think I think I think Phil Brooks knows his uh, his level of disdain from a lot of guys in the uh, in the wrestling business, if you will. Um, so this this probably caused nothing new 
to to a guy like CM Punk. And, and there's no there's no there's there's no questioning that I'm a, obviously a big CM Punk mark. Uh, but uh, I know he rubbed people the wrong way, and uh, for whatever reason, I don't know the history. But Roman Reigns is apparently one of those guys. I don't think you're seeing if you're a guy like CM Punk. I don't think you ever go into a, a wrestling match and not expect a stiff shot somewhere here or there, or uh, and I think I think at this point, if he's smart, he not only does he does he not only does he expect it, but he probably should welcome it. And there's certain, <laughs> and, and and I say that because you know what, to some people in this business, that's just part of how they work. Sure, sure. And if you're going to be that guy with that kind of reputation that guys just don't like you, fuck it. That's good. That's good TV. That's good matchmaking. Just do it. And if if Roman Reigns is going to be anything like we, well, I I didn't see it, of course, but but like the, a lot of you saw at, at Clash of Champions, he brings that kind of mentality to CM Punk. They're going to make money. Take my fucking money yeah. right now. It's it's good booking. I. I Fuck it! I don't. I don't need you guys to like each other. Just fucking deliver, man. And that's. I think there's potential there. I really do. Speaking of Roman Reigns, we're gonna stick on Roman Reigns here. Drew McIntyre, in a recent interview, said uh, he wants to face Roman Reigns uh, for only one reason only as of right now, and that's to unify the WWE and Universal Championship. Now we are in the midst of going to have a draft. They are they're calling the draft now. They're no longer shakeups. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I told you. I fucking told you, people. So we're, we're back to calling it drafts. We're, we're about to have a draft again. Um, I'm not sure when it's happening. I think it's happening sometime in October. Yes. Um, obviously, we have a brand extension. We have a Raw champion and a SmackDown champion. A title unification... Is this is this a good idea? Should should, should they should they humor this, uh, and and have one world title and 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 if so, where does that leave the brand extension? Again, it's one of those things like, hey, if you're gonna do it right, you can do you know anything's possible. Sure. And here's what in order for this to work, here's what needs to happen. Drew McIntyre needs to put this idea completely over. He has to be. He has to be given that permission to be like, hey, every time you step out into the ring, whether it's for a promo or an actual match, this is your this is your intent now. Your intent now is to make everyone believe that this is so fucking important that you're willing to do X, Y, and Z to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking like injuring people, um, you know, fucking... Creating chaos, uh, you know, whatever, whatever needs to be done. But although you know, Clash of Champions aside, because mm-hmm. I like, I'm still like, as much as I loved it, I, I'm still not completely sold that we're gonna get more of that anytime sure. soon. Right. Um, Clash of Champions aside, I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't think they're gonna let that happen. I think. Uh, I think Clash of the Champions might even be just like an anomaly, you know, a once in a a, a long while thing. Unfortunately, I mean, obviously, time will tell, and I could be wrong. But hey, that's the way I feel right now. Like, yeah. I feel like I feel like I've been dicty so bad, 
and then I'm not going to get another chance to, to have that again, you know? So I'm just trying to enjoy it as, as it comes, I it's, guess. It's like the equivalent of the Lost Encounters uh, on uh, on Craigslist or whatever they yeah. call it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go, Night of Champions, WWE? <laughs> but yeah, I mean... Like it would, it would have to be, it would have to play out much akin to what I had just talked about Minoru Suzuki in the G1. Yeah, you come in with a fire under your ass, like, hey, I'm the supreme champion. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm worthy of a unified title. Yeah, I'm gonna make it happen. I'm just gonna go out and start fucking destroying everybody. Right, and, and if that happens, let's say that does happen, and. You know, we get the match that we want. Where does that leave the world championship now that there's only one belt? Dare I say it? With more prestige and meaning. Oh, my God. Fair oh, point. Fair oh, point. man. What would, the, what would the WWE Universe become? It would become more fucking better than it is now. That's for damn sure. Do we need... We don't need all these fucking championships. Do we need exclusive belts for... No, they're handing them out like fucking candy, dude. (laughs) Oh my god. Like, stop with the fucking titles. You know know what it feels like? It feels like they have so many excess from the shop zone or WWE shop. They're just like, we got too many here. Take one. Like, wait, what? That's always been my issue with boxing, you know, like, you, you'll have, like, you'll have a chance, you'll have, like, one boxer that has, like, comes out to the ring with, like, ten belts. Yeah. It's like, dude, any of those belts mean anything? And, and you know what? That and the, the, the Interim champions and... Historically speaking, <laughs> the only time I've ever seen that many belts hold so much weight mm-hmm. is during the, um, uh, the J-Cup. Yeah. You know, and thinking back to guys like uh, the great Sasuke and mm-hmm. Ultimo Dragon. Right, yeah. You know, do you remember, uh, I'm sure not everybody remembers this, but you would if you watched WCW back in the day. Ultimo Ultra Dragon, Dragon. Yeah. fresh off the win at the J-Cup tournament, unified all those titles for once in, in yeah. God knows, I think probably that would be the only one of the handful of times that's ever been done. But here he's walking around with nine or ten belts. Yeah. And you're like, holy fuck, who is this guy? <laughs> he's that guy. Yeah. You know? We recently got it a few years back with, not to that extent, you know, I'm not comparing it to, but we, with Austin Aries, was walking around with That's right, multiple yeah. companies' belts. And he was walking out on, on TV with multiple companies' belts. And, you know. Uh, no, I'm not saying, like, fucking Drew McIntyre needs to go around and collect every fucking belt. Because, like. You know, that would lead to in some intergender shit that I'm sure that they don't want to be a part of, you know. But, I mean, he he definitely has to come out with that fire. Yeah. You know, that's that's my point. Yeah, I'm not... I don't want him to take anything away from Oscar or, or Bailey or, or whatever, but... Um, it's like the old school uh, WWF No Mercy game. Uh, <laughs> you can you can take a because they don't have genders. They didn't program genders, right? So you know, I I remember doing. Uh, I was like, I'm gonna take Bubba Ray Dudley and have him do the women's championship storyline. <laughs> he fucking did it, and there was the there was that one part where they were they were doing the 2000 Royal Rumble bikini contest, and and he was a part of if it. If you remember what the cat wore that night. <laughs> 
That's what Bubble Ray Deli was wearing. Oh, what the fuck! Oh, I love that game. (laughs) Um, speaking of uh, the the women's roster in the WWE, we've got Hell in a Cell coming up in uh, in the not too distant future. There's uh, there's been a couple spoilers so to speak already and one of them the first one that I I witnessed personally was a promotional poster of Bailey and Sasha Banks mm-hmm. with Bailey on top of the the actual structure kind of like looking down on Sasha Banks and um this seems to be like it's shaping up to be the main event at the pay-per-view which I'm not against but I, w- I want to get your thoughts uh, on on this whole Bailey versus Sasha thing. One, is it worthy of a Hell in a Cell? Two, if it is, how does Sasha's track record with winning oh, titles God. play into this, man? For you, at least. <laughs> um, my my only gripe with the the Bailey Sasha storyline is that uh, they didn't let it play out long enough with them being against each other. It's been all summer. As a tag team, they spent basically their entire career together, um, and then you have uh, uh, obviously the pandemic happening, and they're pretty much running you know buckshot of the uh, the the women's division on, on the main roster, and uh, and then you know you see Sasha lose, you see them lose the tag team titles, and then Bailey snaps on them, and then the very next moment you get is them doing a hell in a cell. I think. When it comes to when it comes to booking matches like this, we've talked about it before. This is the this is the last time. This is the last straw, and they should have had a series. They should instead of spending a tag team together throughout the summer, they should have been focusing on this rivalry throughout the summer, and it culminates to the last straw. We got to end this rivalry. There's been too much. Too much violence in this in this rivalry. We're gonna end it one last time. Hell in the cell. Whoever wins the title, that's it. We're done. We're done with this. Matt, that sounds like old school booking. It that's, sounds like old school that's, booking. That's a no no. You can't yeah. do that. So <laughs> <laughs> So for for that reason, uh I, I will never get a job at WWE. No, you um, won't. But uh, as far as the actual match, is it worthy of a Hell in the Cell match? Yes, because these two have have established time and time again. Sasha Banks, and I'm not being biased here because I'm a Bailey fan, but Sasha Banks has proven herself in a Hell in a Cell match. She she had a that phenomenal, for sure. yeah. phenomenal Hell in a Cell match with with Charlotte Flair uh, years ago. Um, can Bailey do the same thing? I think so. And and you know as as history will show, I've always felt Bailey and Sasha Banks made better opponents anyways than tag team partners. If you go back to their NXT days, WWE Network even glorified the, the the Takeover Brooklyn from a few years ago. That's right, remarkable match. These two know each other, and as we so so well to the point where we've seen it time and time again that the best of friends in pro wrestling outside of the ring tend to make the best enemies inside of the ring, and I think for that reason we're going to get a very very fucking good Hell in a Cell match so long as Vince McMahon calls off again. 
Lock them in the bathroom, folks. <laughs> That's what you got to do. If we get the the same kind of mentality of, hey, just go out there. Just go out there. You're on WWE Network. You're on WWE Network time. Go out there. Fucking just figure it out. Figure it fucking out. Know your spots. Know what you want to do. Just fucking do it. If they have that kind of mentality, I'm going to call it right now. I'm not going to call it match of the year, but I'm calling a match of the year candidate if that's going to be the case. Um, so poor booking aside, because it kind of is poor booking, it's really rushed. I think I think for sure Bailey and Sasha Banks belong in the Hell in a Cell match. And as far as the title goes and the track record, I don't know. Maybe this is the belt that she finally fucking wins and <laughs> gets to keep for a little while. I don't know. Successfully I mean, defend. How about that? Successfully defend. Just one match. Give her one fucking match. I don't know, but uh, we'll, you know, only time will tell. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely uh, look forward to that if that is indeed going to happen. Um, we talked about uh, in episode uh, 103 the situation with with Murphy and uh, Rey Mysterio's daughter. I don't remember her name, but uh, uh, Aaliyah. Aaliyah. Okay, Aaliyah Mysterio. She's 19 years old. Murphy is roughly my age. I think. Uh, he's. I think he just turned 32. Okay, so he's a year older than me. Um, you know, and I, I vicariously put myself in his shoes. You know, being a 31 year old and, and and being romantically involved with a 19 year old is extremely sits extremely uneasy with me. Yeah. Um. Look and. I, I get the whole legal age and all that stuff, and yeah, we're not going to go into detail. That it's just, it's one of those unnecessary storylines. Yeah, and it is. this is not part of the question, but like how they're even doing it is fucking stupid. I don't know. I I, I don't know if you you know about what happened on Raw from uh, from from September twenty first, but they, you know, Seth Rollins comes out and 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 does a whole. DNA test again. We've we've done it before. Dom, there's no way Dominic is is his son. Uh, it turns out Ray's not the father. But then you know Ray cuts him down. He's like you know I'm I'm you know we're doing this shit again kind of thing. And Seth Rollins like oh wait I I might have got it wrong. It, it said a Mysterio kid, but it didn't say which Mysterio kid. Which doesn't work on a fucking DNA test. It's gonna have a fucking name. But uh, but apparently now he's ruling out that Aaliyah is not Ray Mysterio's daughter because she shows compassion for Murphy. Who's writing this shit? Who's writing this shit? That's not your question. But, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, dear homework, who's writing this shit? Seriously. Um, it's a really stupid fucking storyline that doesn't need to happen. There's, there's other ways to get his daughter involved. That's what he wants to do. My question for you actually involves Alexa Bliss. Because Alexa Bliss went on social media. You done stole my last... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Um, Please. Alexa Bliss... When has gone on Twitter and and pretty much congratulated Murphy on 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 everything. Even even used the the phrase "Go ahead and shoot your shot." Shoot your shot, bud. <laughs> and she's gotten a lot of fucking heat uh, for that. This whole angle, her whole fucking her her comments on Twitter. I just I just gotta know. I gotta pick your brain. What the fuck is going on in WWE land? Well, again, bad booking. Um, I don't know what, and, and I only bring this up because this isn't the first time 
this lopsided, I'm going to call it lopsided, lopsided uh, relationship angle has happened. Yeah. Uh, because we all know the infamous, um, you know, pitch from Vince McMahon uh, that involved incest and his own daughter. Yeah. You know, that whole debacle. Um, so at the end of the day, we all know Vince approves this shit. And here it is playing out on the big screen for everybody to see. And you're like, why? Why does this need to happen? Why does a 32-year-old Buddy Murphy need to be involved? With the 19-year-old Aaliyah Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Why? Who her own father on, on camera called her a, ninth, uh, a, a naive teenager. There you go. So you're really shooting at the fact that she's a kid. Yeah. So, uh, again, like, why why does any of this shit need to happen? It. I want to say it's lazy booking. But I don't know if it's necessarily lazy. I think just whoever's booking this shit is just not that creative to begin with. Yeah. You know, there's, man, I could fucking, I could go wipe my ass and come up with better better shit than this, you know, but fuck, uh, so there's that, but then you've got, you know, obviously if you guys didn't know, at one point Buddy Murphy and Alexa Bliss were an item. Yeah. Engaged at one point. Engaged at one point. And, uh, you know, she has since moved on. I think she's with, uh, not that it fucking matters, but uh, she's with a, a musician right now as uh, Ryan Ryan so-and-so. I don't, uh, you know more than yeah. I do. I know she's involved with somebody. I just don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, you know, and he's, no, he's like a major recording artist and shit. But, cool. uh, yeah, you know, more power to him, whatever. Yeah. Um, she is definitely the cat's fancy in my book. But, uh, sure. Fucking, she goes and says what she says on social media. And I think just social media took it and ran with it. You know, you and I were talking about, uh, dissemination of information before we started recording this episode and, like, how you can take one bit of information and spin multiple narratives off of it in different places and different times and stuff. And I think that's kind of what's going on here. You just, she comments on it and not, not that she needed to, but she comments on it and people kind of took it the wrong way. And maybe her, like maybe she's a little bit jealous at the fact that he's supposedly romantically involved with, with some other person than her or you know what whatever the situation may be whatever the hearsay may be and i i think that's all it was but it it caused her to like step away from twitter i think she actually deactivated her account for a little while yep and now she's back but and that was because the people were getting on her shit and like you know so many people these days are quick to talk about toxic this and toxic that and a lot of the times it's those same people that are fucking toxic like she made a statement why can't you just fucking leave it be the way it is yeah is she not entitled to an a fucking opinion last time i checked matt opinions are like assholes everybody has one so she's allowed hers sure they're allowed theirs but at the end of the day what does it fucking matter yeah what does it fucking matter? You know what it is? It's it's uh, it's the shit icing on a shit cupcake <laughs> that is this fucking fucking shit dessert that we're being served 
on Monday Night Raw. That's how I feel. I think there's more anger at... <laughs> no, seriously, I think there's more anger at Alexa Bliss and, than the WWE booking this shit. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. no. That, that's a definite. That's and a definite. It's, it, that's alarming. I mean, what, Alexa, Alexa, just she's just a fucking person that says something on Twitter. It doesn't matter what her stature is within the company. She just says something on Twitter. I mean, she's not booking this. No, I know. Let's, 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 uh, if this is really bad, let's cut it from the source. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't it go away like Raw Underground? <laughs> yes, Please why, go why, away. Why can't this be the reason Raw Underground goes away or vice versa? Yes. No, no more. And, and put retribution on there too. Here's what we'll do. Slapjack. We'll, we'll have one. We'll have one. <laughs> We'll have one segment, right? It's it's Raw Underground, right? Buddy Murphy's involved. And uh, somehow Retribution is the reason Buddy Murphy gets destroyed. But they also destroy the Raw Underground set. And now they can all just not be a, any anything anymore. How about that? Yeah, that'd I'll, be I'll fucking great. Oh my god, go you're welcome, WWE. I just saved you a fuck send, ton. Of... Send send it all to to Brock Lesnar's farm. Just be fucking yeah, go home. together. While you're at it, throw a fucking Tanahashi in there too. He can go <laughs> home too. And uh, and because uh, I saw him again, I, I remember your comment from 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 episode 103, Yoshihashi, and his <laughs> his face when he signs when he when he comes in like he's clocking into a job. That he he, he do it. I'm telling you. <laughs> That should be part of his gimmick. He should just walk around with a time clock and just like whoop, swipe his badge and like I'm ready, I'm ready to work. Let's do this. Puts out his apron, you know. Come in with like some sort of a fucking jumpsuit or some shit. That'd be great. Oh my god, I'd watch that. <laughs> um, that would have been my last my last uh, question here on the twenty by twenty by twenty for this edition. Um, you got anything else? I, I, I do. Awesome. Uh, shoot it. I actually got a couple more. I don't know if we got our numbers wrong here. Shoot it, but, shooter. Uh, um, I'll start with this one. Uh, Undertaker. Undertaker. Uh, we talked about him earlier. He's a dead man. You know? He's a dead man. He, <laughs> he talked recently about the, the now, or not now, but the very famous dream match between him and Sting. Uh, and he was quoted says that the match against Sting would be better on paper. Um, I agree. I my my thing is this though: is it every era? What era do you think he's referring to? And why is that the case? I'm going to say something, and then you can you can add to it. Okay. Okay. I agree with what he said because of the way WWE handled Sting because let's face it there's no other way this is happening we're not talking about The Undertaker defecting to WCW mm-hmm. and it taking place there and and truth be told I don't want to see that match I don't want to see Undertaker go to WCW and fight Sting there if it's going to happen for me at all it's going to be Sting going to WWE and it happening there because I think they have a, they had past tense they had the means to make this dream match happen mm-hmm. 
okay? They just never took advantage of it. Um, but look back. Look back at the way the WWE handled the booking of Sting. Tell me that was not oh, fucking it was, atrocious. It was, it, was, it was, yeah, it was absolutely disrespectful. You're, you're, yeah, you're robbing a fucking national treasure of, of, of such potential. That's exactly what that mm-hmm. was, you know. So goes. I mean, you look at the the WrestleMania match. You have a Triple H. Oh. Why? Why wasn't it enough to book Triple H versus Sting? Why, that was that was the match. That was the match, and, and they, they made it into what they made it into, and it was just an absolute train wreck. Horrible. Um, yeah, I I, I I think Sting is, uh, we talked about episode 100, I think he's another example of guys coming from another company that's going to get buried by Vince McMahon. Uh, and and I, I, I know I sound like a bitter fan, but, uh, I mean, show me where I'm wrong in that. Um, as far as the better on paper thing, I, I guess where my, where my mind always goes is not putting into perspective the, the, the deals and the moves that would have had to have been made in the heyday, you know, Undertaker defecting to WCW, that was never going to happen. But then the, the era when, when WCW was originally bought, the era of, WCW uh, being purchased by WWE, you know that would that that still could have potentially worked because both guys' bodies were more able at that era, in that time. Yeah, for my money, yeah, you for know, sure. and and I think that would have been the best time, more more reasonable time because where where are you gonna go if you're Sting? WCW was just bought. There's really nothing else out there right now. Obviously, he did what he did, stayed home. I think he got paid. I think he was one of those guys that were still getting paid, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember. But um, that's where my head goes. I, I My head immediately goes to yesterday. Because for me, it's it's if it, if it were to be booked for 2021, I, I think there's no doubt in my mind it's, it's going to be a fucking garbage because both guys are well past the twilight of their career. They, they don't have it anymore. They're too old. They're too broken. It should just they should just go away and stay away. Um, so if, if that's what if that's what he's referring to, then absolutely. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I think a part of me feels that it could have been something good. And I don't. I'm not talking like an angle. I'm just talking about a match. You know, as far as where are you going to fit this angle in, I don't. I don't know. I but, know. I know how I would do it. Go ahead. You know, years ago when when Liger snapped and, you know, he was demasked and he would come out in just the white makeup. Yep. Yeah. And, like, he was like, uh, I think he was calling himself Ultra Liger. Or, Something like that. Yeah, yeah. or Super Liger or whatever. I, I would have loved for that sort of scenario to happen with Taker and, and Sting where... Um, Sting ends up snapping to the point where he comes out of he 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 goes from being the you know the the Sting that was fighting the NWO you know the the very crow esque um and I, I, fuck James O'Barr is owed a hell of a lot of money from WCW that, that's such a fucking rip off of the crow but 
Um, that version of Sting gets fucked with The Undertaker so much that he feels like he needs to just snap. And then we get to see the blonde-haired Sting again. You know, something akin to that. I would have loved to have seen that. Because then you've got the potential for not just a dream match, but like an actual fucking feud. Yeah. One that that could culminate to something much more grand. Yeah. I'm not saying like a cage match or a hell in a cell or whatever, but something much more meaningful, even if it was just a match at WrestleMania, you know? Something like that. See and I and I think that's where people are going to separate from 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 your mentality because I think this really comes down to the the dark entities. And that's why I, I never got on board with Sting versus The Undertaker as a dream match. Because it, it really comes down to Crow versus Dead Man, basically. That, yeah, well, for a lot of people, that's what it's always been and about. It, it's, they, 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 they tend to forget how great of a wrestler The Undertaker really is. And Look, character aside, I mean, I've, it speaks for itself, but... Mark Calloway, and in the peak of his career, was one of the best in ring performers. Yeah, you know, hands down. Steve Borden. I know you're not the biggest Sting fan, but you know, Sting. Sting is a guy that could carry a match. Mm-hmm. He can carry a match, and he can go in there with really just about anybody, and 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 give you a good wrestling match, a good storyline match, if you need it to be. And it it didn't it didn't matter what makeup he was wearing. He just he could do that. He could bring he could bring that out of him. So I, I I don't I wouldn't have any problem bringing the 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 old school blonde haired Sting back. Um, but I think that's where a lot of people are just like, no, it had to have been the dark versus the dark, and that's not really what Sting was about, anyways. No. Um, if if you were paying attention back then, so it, it's it's unfortunate. I as far as the Undertaker statements, I, I don't know. I I I, I agree. But I also think that there was a time and place where if it happened, it would have been better. It could have it could have been better than just being on paper. Um, again, I, I don't know where we messed up on on, on our numbers here because I got I got one more. Please, uh, I don't, I don't know if we get twenty, but uh, I don't know who the hell's keeping keeping tabs. Anyway. <laughs> uh, this one's perfect for you because you're an NWA guy. Uh, UWN primetime is, uh, is, is, is happening. It's, it's, I haven't watched it yet. I haven't partaked yet, but it's, it's an entity. NWA power has been announced that it's still going to be a thing. According to Nick Aldis. Yeah. So the future of NWA, take it home. You're NWA guy. (sighs) Um, (laughs) what's the future of this company? So let's go back. Let's go back a handful of episodes here on the 20 by 20 and if you're if you're even half-assed paying attention you'll know that i'm a huge nwa fan you'll know that i counted them out i fucking i told i'm i'll own up to it i already had to eat a fucking hat recently so uh but i owned up to it and i and i i said that at the time ring of honor was beating nwa to the punch Mm mm-hmm um, in, in the way of content. Well, now, you know, NWA power comes and goes. And, you know, the pandemic happens. And, goddamn, is that such a great show. But here we're thinking, or at least I was thinking, well, NWA power's gone. Because guess what? Your talent's leaving by the fucking droves. You know, half of it's getting signed by AEW. 
You know, we're to the point where your women's world champion, who's turning out to be super fucking legit, by the way, mm-hmm. um, what was that, uh, three title defenses in six days yeah. recently? Um, Thunder Rosa, wow, talk about on fucking fire. But you've got you've got her pretty much being like, almost like shadow scouted by the AEW at this point and I hate to say this but Billy Corgan better watch his ass otherwise he's going to lose his his women's world champion to to uh to a rival mm-hmm. and uh it, it's just like damn like all all hope seems lost man you know they they just came out and uh, Royce Isaacs has now been signed away mm-hmm. so Latimer and Isaacs are no longer uh, going to be a tag team, and you know he's not obviously he's not part of uh, Nick Aldis's crew anymore. And uh, you know they put the kibosh on Ziggy Dice or Ziggy, I'm sorry, Ziggy Dice. Uh, Storm's gone. Uh, leaving, you know they told him he couldn't leave, and mm-hmm. yeah, and Storm's gone and or, or about to leave. So it's like, wow, what is what the fuck is going on? Like, how is the NWA going to continually be this phoenix that rises from the ashes. I don't want to count them out, but goddamn, is it looking grim. And for all this to sit there and say power's not dead and it's still going to be a thing, I'm clueless, man. I, I, I don't have that vision right now to see where this is going. And uh, if it's a thing, I'm all for it. Like, I fucking loved the rebirth of NWA, and I hope it continues despite covid and the pandemic but mm-hmm. right now it's it's looking bleak man yeah it's very unfortunate uh because man the 2019 for them was looking so good it ended on such a great note it started on a very great note and <clears throat> you know you, you can easily blame the pandemic and and, and rightfully so but also it, it becomes a, a lame excuse because other companies are, are figuring it out, what they need to do. Ring of Honor being one of them, MLW being another one. So it's 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 possible, Billy Corgan. You just got you got to figure shit out. And as we see uh, <laughs> Yoshihashi get ready to clock it's in. About for to a clock shift. in, baby. <laughs> <laughs> his his staff should like be a mop, a mop or a broom. You know. I mean, he is. You you said it perfectly. Uh, a few a few months ago, like he's the default character on an RPG. He looks, I'm telling you, he looks like it. he goes to the fucking conventions and dressed up like this, and he could be any number of fucking characters or who he thinks he is, you know, just by his fucking ring attire, you know. Like, who are you? Oh, I'm so and so. Oh, are you? Yeah, but I I could also be this, whatever you want me to be. Um, it's like showing up at a. <laughs> At Asin as Inuyasha in a robe. <laughs> and that, ladies and God gentlemen, damn it, that isn't the truth. That's what we call a shoot in the oh, wrestling business. Man. <laughs> uh, really quick, one last thing. Uh, as we see Joey Janela hitting one hell of a fucking spot uh, during the stadium series at Warrior Wrestling, you will never forget these guys. And they are poised to have one hell of a 2021 coming up. There it goes. Boom. Death to clowns. I love it. Joey Janela, Joey Janela is my hero. I don't care what Jim Cornette says. Um, 
But uh, and one last thing about the NWA. There's one one booking thing I want to throw in here, and I I feel like I see it coming. I could be wrong again, but there's one person that works well with that company that has worked well with that company that we haven't seen in a long time. But I think because of this, if they do rise back from the ashes of, of what it is now, I think he's going to be a major part of it. And that he may be the reason why they come back in such a, a gigantic fashion. And that is Marty Skrull. I think Marty Skrull's poised to join, join NWA in a big way. And um, I wish them all the best. So regardless of what goes on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Obviously, he's got to figure out the, the his current situation, but sure. uh, but yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a great fit, and um, obviously he he's worked well with them in the past. And uh, you know, look, when you're in a situation like uh, like like NWA is, sometimes you the old the old saying controversy creates cash. I mean, he's kind of a controversial figure right now, but he's a hell of a wrestler. I'm not, I'm not saying he should be on TV uh, with DNA tests and 19-year-old girls, but... Yeah, you know. correct. You know? <laughs> Just fucking Because who would do that? Yeah. <laughs> what is going on with Juice Robinson's hairline? What is... I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. What the fuck happened here? He that... looks like he tried to get dressed like The Undertaker, but then he changed his mind. He came out to like some Blues Brothers style yeah. gimmick, which I mean, he's from from Chicagoland. I mean, it makes sense, but I whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not no more questions because we we uh, we're out of time here. But uh, twenty twenty by twenty by twenty, volume two, volume two is in the book in the books, baby. What a fun ride it's been again. Dude, I love this. Thank you so much. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, we got a lot of things in, in the works that we're still trying to work on. Uh, figuring out all the our other projects that we have is, you know, we we're we're still in the in the works of trying to 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 make things better for this podcast. We appreciate any and all support that you guys continue to to give us um, before we head out and 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 give you our our, uh, our farewells. Quick shout out to a few of our sponsors. Uh, obviously, uh, we. Watch, as always, uh, wrestling via our Roku and Amazon Fire Stick devices. You can get your copies of those by visiting us at our website at 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash Amazon. And uh, get yourself a 30-day subscription to Amazon Prime through our website. We get a little bit of love back, and you guys get 30 days of Amazon Prime, that's free two-day shipping, sometimes free one-day shipping, a, pre- a plethora of great Amazon Prime originals, music, file uh, file sharing, if I'm not mistaken, or... Uh, file storage. File storage, yeah. there you go. Um, I mean, you can share whatever you want, but yeah, file, sure. file storage for sure. It's all there for you, man. Uh, you get a plethora of great Amazon products, or... Even the rivals are on there, too. It's all there. 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash Amazon. Uh, also want to give a shout-out to Raise 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash Raise, where you get gift cards on pretty much anything that you need. 
all your shopping, whether it's it's it's, it's for Dude, personal clothes, grocery shopping, ride sharing, man, you name streaming it, streaming devices, yeah, it's, it's all yeah, there. It's all there, and you know, no one should have to pay full price for anything, especially these days with all the competition out there. Be smart. Be like the boys over here at Twenty by Twenty. Save yourself a little dough. Every little bit saved counts. I mean, you know, you don't have to give it to us, but save yourself some money in general, you know? Absolutely. 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash raise. That's R-A-I-S-E. Like you're getting a raise from work. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to raise some money for you. 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash Junction Collectibles is also a good place to go check out our sponsors and our good friends over at Junction Collectibles where you can get a plethora of phenomenal collectibles from... From Funko to Neko to yeah, you name it, they got it. And and an ever-growing list of great collectibles. These guys here are, are legit as they come. You a G.I. Joe fan? I am. Yeah? Did you see the new the new line they got coming out? Yes, I did, Oh, actually. they are fucking gorgeous. Absolutely. And they take pre-orders. Pre-orders there. 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash Junction Collectibles. And in the month of October... They're doing a special that's you gotta go directly through our website. Absolutely. Twenty X twenty crew dot com slash podcast slash junction collectibles. Use the promo code twenty X twenty Halloween all month long during the month of October. Get yourself twenty five percent off your entire purchase thanks to us over here. At the twenty by twenty ring crew, um, I can't speak volumes enough about that deal. That's one hell of a deal, folks. Um, and you can only get it through us. You man. can only get it through us. So thank you again for listening. It's one of the perks that we try to offer you here for listening to us on our on our uh, wrestling podcast here. As we see Madison Rain in a, in a, in cubby blue taking the field for Warrior Wrestling. Yeah, I like her now. One one last time in the Indies before she uh, makes it official with Impact Wrestling for the remainder of her career, apparently. Oh, really? That's what she's saying. You know how it goes in professional wrestling. As I said in the Undertaker's podcast, never Never say say never. Uh, she's actually wrestling Kylie Ray, and uh, Kylie Ray shouts out to the new Warrior Wrestling Women's Champion, and she's now engaged. So congrats! Yeah, to that man, too. she's it's moving so on up. It's a good year for <laughs> for, for Kylie Ray. Um, but yeah, uh, that I thank you again for all our sponsors. Thank you again for for all our listeners, and uh, and how can they get a hold of us on social media? Twitter.com slash twenty x twenty crew. Instagram.com slash 20x20crew. Facebook.com slash 20x20crew. You want to come talk to us on Facebook? Facebook.com slash groups slash 20x20wrestlingtalk. Uh, what am I missing? Oh, yeah. And our home on the web. Yes. 20x20crew.com. How could I fucking forget that? I did because my brain is old and I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where we have all of our merch. Or access to merch and and all of our 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 previous episodes. Yeah, I'll spit it out one of these fucking days, and uh, everything you need to know about the twenty by twenty ring crew. <laughs> it is uh, it is a it was a windy night. I uh, wore wrestling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, 
I mean, that, that the, the ring spirit Best is... Best wind ever. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you put on a uh, an outdoor show and... Uh, Kylie Ray looks like she's about to fly away. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, Windy City or, or the suburbs of the Windy City is just kind of what you get, so... Um, but whatever. It, apparently they pull it off because this is a replay, or not live, but... Uh, at any rate, again, thank you again, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a long episode, but uh, so I'm getting out of here. We're getting out of here. Thank you again for all the support. Thank you again for all the sponsors. Uh, 104's in the books. We're done. We're getting out of here. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, I've been Matt. He's been Joe. You've been fantastic. Until next time, we will see, see you in the, the ring. ring.